Mark, I got to tell you, um, and by the way, Mark Dykton in this morning, Kevin Bowen on vacation. Good morning to you. Jake Query here, Sam Fritz running the big board. We are inside the Hubler.com studios here, and I, I didn't think, I, I think we kind of made fun of it yesterday, but the smoke thing is real. I, I, oh, yeah. I mean, I woke up this morning and it was driving to work and especially going down Capitol, I mean, it was hard to see the skyline. Yeah. And I'm like, it's crazy. It literally is like the outside right now looks like something out of, like I feel like it's like a Will Smith science fiction movie or something. This is what I imagine like London looks at like most days, like with all like the rain and the fog. That's like I've I've always thought like, oh, just this hazy all the time. That's what it looks like outside. That's I got the same image this morning that I got yesterday driving on 70, getting into downtown. You couldn't see the buildings like Lucas Oil Stadium is just like a dark shadow in the sky. Yeah, it, it is something, man. Yeah, it is something. Now, speaking of the same this morning as yesterday, um, did you ever read the comic strip Blondie? I mean, uh, comic yes. strips, I realize, in the I've, newspaper, kind of a thing of the yeah, past. But uh-huh. So, you know, uh, Dagwood Bumstead carpooled every day to work, right? Uh-huh. So I'm not going to act like I know the history of Blondie and Well, but like one of the themes in the in the comic uh-huh. strip is he, he had like a carpool group. So I, I, I wouldn't say that I carpool because carpool means you alternate pe- driving, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yesterday I was driving to work and... I was coming down Capitol, and there was one of the Indigo buses was on the side of the road with the hazards on. I don't know what the issue was, but it was at one of the bus stops, and I see the guy waiting for the – and he's kind of like, in other words, the presumed – the person that's getting ready to get on the bus is like looking at his watch, and the bus is sitting there with hazards on, and I'm like, well, this doesn't look good if you're a bus rider, right? Uh So I rolled the window down. I'm like, hey, man, where are you going? And he said, well, I got to go to the transfer center, which is obviously by the old Market Square. Uh, to go out east, and I go. Well, I'm going downtown, man. You want to ride? And he kind of thought. I could tell he thought about like I don't know. And he's like, All right, sure. So he gets in, and he works out at Community East. Nice guy. So we, we chat briefly. Of course, it's like six thirty in the morning. So how how loquacious is one at six thirty in the morning, right? So we get downtown, and I'm like, All right, you know, here you go. And I said, Well, hey, I'll look for you tomorrow. And sure enough, this morning I'm driving down, and I was coming down and at the same bus stop he was sitting on the bench waiting for the bus and i pulled over and gave it a honk and he hops in hey good morning daryl is his name he's got like a personal uber driver now <laughs> so daryl and i shot the bull this morning uh he watched frozen last night oh well, i've with, been there with his nephew uh-huh and um said he fell asleep during it oh well you'll probably see it a hundred more times if you're me <laughs> so um but he said overall he said i liked his line he said i I went to bed watching a movie and woke up and the movie was watching me. So yeah, it's a pretty good way of saying it. That's how it works. Um, how about you? Anything exciting happened last night other not, than the smoke? Not really. Yeah, we kind of looked outside. Girls were like, can we go to the park? I'm like, I, I don't know. It doesn't look great. Like, It's not that you want to deter them from going outside, but just, it just doesn't look like great quality of like being. It just kind of like you look out and you're kind of like, do I want to go outside right now? If I can see the air, I don't know if I really want to be breathing well, it. Well, Mark, they say, I mean, they, you know, they, who is they, right? But reports are that you, the, the air quality, I, I mean, it's literally like the worst, it's, 
I, that I can ever remember. I don't ever yeah. remember seeing. I didn't even know of like the air quality numbers. And and this morning in Indianapolis, it's at like two sixty two, and over two hundred is like stay the hell inside. It's two sixty two. I mean, literally, it's like good morning Shanghai, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Yeah. So the girls wanted to go to the park. I was like, ah, it's maybe just yeah. like stay indoors and you know watch movies or something like that. So they watched a couple of their cartoons, and I was doing prep for the show and watching the Cubs game on the t- on the uh, computer screen and all that stuff. So. Got some got some work done, but yeah, most of the time is just kind of staying indoors yesterday. A uh, lot to talk about the co- over the course of this morning, including the Colts' practice schedule is out for training camp. God, I was glued to my my Twitter screen and waiting for that release. <laughs> I could not wait. So come on already, start the live stream. Let's go. I need to know these dates. You had your schedule. Well, especially for the joint practices with the Bears, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I assume those were going to be at the end, and they were. But, yeah. My wife's like, are we going to that? I'm like, "Uh, yeah, I would say we are. I remember. Now, I'm going to be the old guy. I I remember when I was a kid. But just for example, Mark, when I worked in St. Louis and I covered the Rams, which is funny because I was kind of my entry level to – and I've told this story a thousand times, but I'll make it a thousand and one, okay? When I worked at Channel 6, now, now I want people to grasp this, okay? This is how far things have come in 25 years. When I was 25 years old, my first job in media, essentially, my first job was at the Star in the Agate Bureau. I took phone calls and wrote the box scores for high school football and basketball games. It was a great job. I liked it. And then... But I had been shadowing Ed Sorensen, the sports director at Channel 6, since I was like in sixth grade. And finally, I just said, look, you know, is there any job I can do here? And he got me a job through a temp agency at Channel 6 as essentially the the entry level, whatever they needed done. Mixing coffee, cutting tape, running scripts, etc. In 1998, the Brickyard 400 was running, it would have been the, I've got to think, fifth running, I guess, of the Brickyard 400. And Ed comes up to me one day, and I was kind of excited for the Brickyard 400 because, you know, I, I it was at the Speedway, right? And it was a big deal. And Ed says, hey, we're not going to credential you for the Brickyard 400. And I remember being, like, devastated by that. And... I said, okay. And he said, because we've got to send you to Champaign, Illinois. And I said, why am I going to Champaign, Illinois? And he said, well, the Colts have an, a, a joint practice with the St. Louis Rams in Champaign. Mm-hmm. And we need somebody to go cover that. And by cover that, it meant that I went with Dennis Goins, the photographer, and I was just the guy that held the microphone afterwards to get interviews. Hey, how the, how the team look? You know, whatever. It was important to cover that because it was the first time that the rookie quarterback – was going to see a different look other than themselves of uh-huh. a defense in the NFL. So that is why, and I think Mike Chappell will back me up on this, that is why when Peyton Manning for the very first time saw a defense other than that of his own team, literally afterwards he walked into a locker room with like three Champaign, Illinois writers, Mike Chappell and myself, because Every other sports person in Indianapolis was covering the Brickyard 400 because that was way bigger than Colts training camp. And then 
two years after that, I ended up getting a job in St. Louis. And like my first responsibility was to cover the Rams training camp in Macomb, Illinois. And I just remember, you know, you always did move in day. And it was like the nonstop video of guys walking into the dorms, carrying pillows, carrying suitcases, carrying sleeping bags. And it looked like the Batan death march. They, they wanted to be anywhere but going to that because it was like this long, two-month-long just slog of just two-a-days and, you know, everything. Right? Carrying in their 27-inch TVs and their Xbox uh, like original Xboxes totally, and everything. Totally. PlayStation 1s. And, and literally it was like guys going to camp or going away to their freshman year of college. Now, you have the following dates. July 26th, July 28th, July 29th, July 31st, August 1st, August 3rd, August 5th, August 6th, August 8th, August 10th, August 15th, August 16th, and August 17th. Now, I would assume that they have activities and stuff going on on those other days. These are the days of... Open to the public. The open to the public practices. But still, you're, you're basically looking at three weeks mm-hmm. in Westfield... Not living in dorms, not you know none of that. I'm not saying that the old way was better by any stretch. It's just different. I mean, it's different now. And, and the players' association, I'm sure, has something to do with that. But we'll go over the course of you know the schedule today and let you know, folks, days that you're coming out and the days that you know kind of have a theme to them. Uh, the different things. Most of the days, the practices are nine to noon, and then later. Um, Excuse me, practices, so like 10 to 11, 10 to 11, 15. Um, it has the hours also for the Colts City. But but the practices in terms of what times fans can watch, usually about 90 minutes is the open to the fans section of the practice. Are you going to go out at all? Yeah, I'm sure I'll go out a couple times. Uh, I think we're already planning to go out when the Bears are doing their joint practices. I'm, I'm sure that'll be the heavy heaviest uh, populated events will be the back-to-back practices against the bears wednesday august 16th and thursday august 17th um those are always fun we've gone to the the joint practices i think they had with the well i'm trying to think now it was like the 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 um was it the Bengals one year and then i think they did the ravens we went to the ravens one that was fun and all that so it's always a good time it's nice seeing other players you wouldn't normally see and you get the kind of an up close personal look at stuff so it's always cool to see all that so yeah i'm sure we'll go out a couple times i know our show will be out there a couple times we're figuring out the uh, the schedule as it is and and all that. I'm sure we'll bring those dates to you when we have more information. But our show will definitely be out there. The midday show will be out there. JMV will be out there. The whole station will be out there throughout the course of training camp. I'm sure. Uh, speaking of JMV, he's going to be at walk-ons later today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to head down there. You going to go down? My wife works, so I don't think they can. I don't think it's child friendly because otherwise I bring bring three daughters with me. Instead, you'll be home watching Frozen, right? Or Frozen 2, or <laughs> Hotel Transylvania, or something like that. Hotel Transylvania? It's an Adam Sandler uh, cartoon, where it's like a, a monster hotel. It's Dracula, and Frankenstein, and the mummy. And Is it scary, or are they No, it's funny. Hanging out. It's, it's just like a goofy kids movie, where it's monsters, and then this, this human invades the hotel, played by Andy Samberg, and he's trying to deter it. Uh, the air quality, by the way, as of right now, somebody just sent to me, 229. That's micro dust per whatever, right? Uh, it's sure. listed as very unhealthy. Health warnings of emergency conditions. The entire population is more likely to be affected. Avoid all physical activity outdoors. Move activities indoors or reschedule to a time when air quality is better. So that what you're is- saying is we're, we're taking one for the team today. 
We drove into work. I mean, honestly, maybe it's the power of suggestion, Mark, but but like I really like I feel like my eyes kind of are bothered. It's like allergies. Mm-hmm. Is that? Do you think it's just the power of suggestion? I think it's the power of the suggestion, but also like you're looking out and you're like, are my eyes working correctly? Because everything looks blurry, but it, that's just what it looks like right now. I mean, it is definitely less than desirable. Um, interesting day yesterday in the world of sports. Stephen Holder, by the way, going to join us at 8 o'clock. We'll talk Colts with him this morning. Um, you know, couple of kind of tragic stories yesterday in the world of sports. Uh, we'll start with Jimmy Johnson. I don't know if you saw that story. Yeah, that, um, that was a weird one. Jimmy Johnson will miss some racing, at least the next race on the schedule, because of the fact that his, his in-laws, so his wife's parents and their nephew, uh, all victims in a domestic murder-suicide situation. I, I, I can't recall which one was the shooter. I, that's obviously in a level of that tragedy that's irrelevant, and it's also personal. I mean, I get it. Um, but Jimmy Johnson is – I don't know his wife, obviously. But, you know, from his time in IndyCar and just being around, a super nice guy, super nice guy, and – um, I know that there have been a lot of well wishes within the racing community pouring into him. When I heard that news, the first thing I thought of was, I, I mean, an equal tragedy, I guess, but, uh, you know, obviously not, I guess, obviously of equal tragedy. But a few years ago, the same thing happened with Robbie Gordon's parents, which Robbie Gordon's parents would be the in-laws of Ryan Hunter Ray. Because Ryan Hunter Ray is married to Robbie Gordon's sister, and they had a similar situation. That might have been a father and stepmother. I I, I can't remember the exact circumstances, but nonetheless, um, tragic situation. Obviously, uh, the other one. Not to start with with back to back, you know, sad stories. Yeah. Did you see about Ryan Mallett? Yeah, former Arkansas quarterback uh, drowned in Florida. He he was a quarterback that, if you recall, um. When he was with the New England Patriots, there was a lot of discussion about him of like he was the next guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, to the point where I was trying to think of this yesterday. Who was it that was like really high on Ryan Mallett? Was it Bill Simmons that was saying like they should trade? That wouldn't surprise me. Or release Brady because he was getting older and hand the keys over to Ryan Mallett. And then obviously he ended up being sent to Houston, I believe, in a trade. And I think the Texans thought that he was going to be – Kind of like Rob Johnson was like that. Rob Johnson was with Buffalo, and people were like, you know what? Like, this is the guy. Um, who was the – Matt Flynn? Matt uh-huh. Flynn was a backup in Green Bay, and so, like, Seattle mortgaged everything to get him because it was yeah. like, well, he's and being he's being held back, and then he got there and really couldn't do anything. Well, Russell Wilson beat him out. They're like, we got to start this rookie, I think. Is, it, is that who it was? Yeah. That, mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, obviously – in Mallet's situation, he went to Houston. And I think the Texans thought he was going to be the guy, uh, Brock Osweiler-esque, with similar results. But sad news, uh, he drowned. I guess he was coaching high school football, right? Yeah, something about he was with a group of people and then, yeah, struggled to get back to shore or something like that. So they pulled him out of the water. He wasn't breathing. They checked, and then they pronounced him dead at the hospital. So only 35 years old, very sad story. Yeah, a couple of downers uh, yesterday for sure. Uh, in the world of sports. Yeah, but um, 
you know, certainly didn't want to start the morning with like the, but those were two big stories. Now, on the positive side of things, how about what? And it is amazing. There is last night, Mark, and and I do this from time to time, uh, especially in the summer. I get nostalgic for it. You know, I, I've always said that sports is largely based and rooted to an extent in nostalgia. I think sometimes that as adults, when we watch sports, we are watching and hoping for the best for our team because when we see them succeed and we see them celebrate, it it awakens in us the magic and the excitement that we had for that team when we were kids. You know, the I, I don't know that grown adults – that you have, that you just naturally or organically find the same level. You know, it's not like you, you you got so many things going on, but your escape then is to watch your team, and part of why you want to see them succeed is because you are chasing the high that you first got when you were introduced to the world of sports. And that nostalgia for me in the summertime, I absolutely loved when I was a kid, loved this week in baseball with Mel Allen. I loved it. I loved everything about it. It would start out, it had the great intro music that was actually the theme song to the TV game show Jackpot from the early 70s. And then Mel Allen's voice would come on. It was always brilliantly written. And he would preview. And the concept of this now is so absurd. So the concept of it was literally on Saturday morning, you would sit for 30 minutes and watch a guy recap for you like the game recap of the Red Sox-Tigers game that took place on Tuesday. I mean, come on, right? Yeah. Simpler times back then. But what's crazy about it, Mark? So I watched last night. You know, I pulled up. You can, on your television now, there's 10,000 apps, whatever. You talk into the remote, and boom, it pops up. So I watched one yesterday from this week in 1977. And in the opening montage of like players that they were going to talk about that week, they talked about Lou Brock's chase of Ty Cobb's stolen base record. They talked about Carl Yastrzemski and like a hitting streak he was on for Boston. They talked about Rod Carew was flirting with 400 home runs. They talked about um, a two-home run game for Steve Garvey to overcome a game where Johnny Bench hit a home run. Uh And they talked about a game where Reggie Jackson had two home runs in the same game. And I'm like, okay. There's like six Hall of Famers right there out of seven guys or five out of six or whatever it might be. Garvey's not in the Hall of Fame, but he's a relative household name from that era. Maybe not now. And then I got to thinking about it. I'm like, but baseball today, how many stars can kids name? I think baseball cards have a lot to do with that. But how many stars can can the average kid name now in baseball? Three? Yeah, the I, average kid. I don't mean like a diehard. I mean like the average kid. Yeah, I. I, I mean, what I mean he, Mike what, Trout, right? Mike Trout, Shohei Otani would probably Bryce be Harper. One. Yeah. Uh, outside Clayton of Kershaw. that, probably Kershaw. I mean, so there's probably ten realistically, right. but I'm just saying, like, I mean, stop a kid on the street and ask him, like, name five current baseball players. Yeah, and, I, I, and, and yet, so you would get up on Saturday morning, you'd watch this week in baseball with Mel Allen. How about that? You'd watch that. And then the baseball bunch with Johnny Bench was on, which was in the San Diego Chicken, by the way, oh, later known as the famous chicken because uh-huh. he had some sort of strike with the Padre folk. Um, that was on. And then the game of the week was on. And, I mean, literally the game of the week was you didn't care who it was. It was like 
I'm watching, you know, why are you watching this game between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Houston Astros? Well, it's the game of the week. I remember when the Cubs, in the Ryan Sandberg game, the Cubs hit two home runs, Sandberg hit three home runs against the Cardinals in the Ryan Sandberg game. That was a massive deal for Cubs fans because it was the game of the week and, like, the whole country's watching. Different that, era. That anniversary just happened, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, just a few days that ago. That game was unbelievable. But the 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 long-winded point that I'm trying to make here is last night what Shohei Atani did. I mean, you strike out 10 on the mound and then hit 10 home runs at the plate. And ESPN made a big deal out of the fact he did all that with a with a broken fingernail. Okay? He hit two home runs by the way, not 10. He what I say, he struck out 10. Struck out, you said he struck out 10 and hit 10. I'm oh like, no, 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 he hit two. That would be incredible. He hit two and struck out 10. But I mean, that's like Babe Ruth stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, it is definitely is Babe Ruth stuff. I mean, the, the sixth time it's—I like the the stat. It said this is only the sixth time since 1893 that someone has struck out ten and hit two home runs. And I'm like, well, the other five had to be like 1893 to 1902, right? Yeah. I mean, it's pre-depression like, era. Yeah, like I, yeah, Raleigh Fingers wasn't doing that, no. right? But it's amazing, and yet, Mark, with that, you wonder to yourself, why is he not a household name? I mean, he is, but why is he not? Could 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 Shohei Atani walk through, walk down Michigan Avenue in Chicago? How many people stop him? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't. I I always go back to that. It might be just the team that he plays for and the. But time he plays zone in Los in. Angeles. But they're but for the majority of the country, their start times don't start to like nine thirty Eastern time or something like. That. A lot of people are getting ready for bed at that point and all that stuff. So you see the highlights, but you don't get to actually watch him on a game-in and game-out basis. Like, oh, you know, it's just not one of those things that most people that aren't Angels fans are checking in on. You know, somebody makes a good point here. Jake, baseball is now super regional. And, and that's 100% true. I could have told you the whole Red Sox roster when I was 12, they say. It's true. I, I've said forever. I mean, JMV and I have done it when I've been on with them a million times. You mentioned a team. You mentioned a year in the mid-'80s. I can tell you right now, probably with 80% efficiency, the starting lineup of the All-Star team, National or, or American League. And now, now we play a game. One of my favorite games to play, Mark, is All-Star or a guy I went to high school with. And I throw you a name, and I'm like, okay, is that an All-Star or a guy that I went to high school with? And you got to guess, and it's like, I'll bet you go 50-50. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it, 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 that's 100% true, though, that it is regional to, because the RSNs that are in now, the geolocation blocks that are – that are on, you know, certain teams and stuff. Like, you live in L.A., and I don't think you can watch a Dodgers game unless you have, like, the fifth most popular cable package or something like that. It's like, I don't need, it's not It's not Comcast. It's not anything like that. It's like Cable Warner or something or whatever, and that's the only way that you can watch Dodgers games in Los Angeles without attending a game. So it is definitely super regional, and I think that also is playing a role. And unless you're watching baseball tonight, if they even still have that show or – Unless you're really locked in on the MLB app, it's it is hard to track all these players and what's going on statistically. Like outside of Otani, if you asked who's leading the National League in home runs, I probably couldn't tell you right now. Jordan Romano, All Star, a guy I went to high school with. All Star, correct. What team? I don't know. I have no idea. Mark Lathrop, All Star, guy I went to high school. Guy you went to high school with. Correct. How'd you know that? Do you know I, Lathrop? I went to high school with decent, you. You didn't yeah, remember, don't remember me? Out, lives out in Colorado. A uh, lot to talk about this morning. Stephen Holder will join us at 8 o'clock. We'll talk about the Colts. We'll also get you up to speed on the training camp schedule. We will go over that and let you kind of plan 
what you want to do in terms of Grand Park going up and seeing the Colts for their free practices, some of the themes too, days that might be good for the kids, especially once the smoke clears, which hopefully is soon. We'll get you caught up shortly on what happened last night in the world of sports. For those of you that might have fallen asleep to Frozen and woken up and the movie was watching you, we'll do that next on Kevin and Query here on a – is today Wednesday or Thursday? It is it's a Wednesday. Wednesday, right? And Matt Olson of the Braves is leading the National League, by the way, with 25 home runs. You gave me 15 guesses. I wouldn't have said Matt Olson. <laughs> Matt Olson, I went to high school with him too, right? Oh, there you go. It's Kevin and Query, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Last night, interleague baseball play. Reds getting back on the right side of things, defeating Cutefella 3 to 1. Reds snapping a three game losing skid in the race for PBR. That is bad news, excuse me, for me. As I believe the Diamondbacks eight four winners over the Rays. Mm-hmm. That's Mark's mm-hmm. Diamondbacks in our contest here. Uh, Kevin getting a win as well. The Athletics two one over the New York Yankees. Other scores yesterday: Major League Baseball. Phillies over the Cubs five one. It was the Padres on the short end. Pirates beat them nine four. Mets over the Brewers seven two. Dodgers blank the Rockies five nothing. Cleveland over Kansas City. The Angels over the White Sox four two. As we mentioned, Shohei Itani now seven and three. He goes six and a third. Gives up one run, strikes out 10, then hits two home runs, 27 and 28 on the season. Unbelievable. Uh, Rangers over the Tigers. Cardinals, 4-2 winners over the Astros. Giants over the Blue Jays. Marlins over the Red Sox. Braves over the Twins. And the Nationals over the Mariners. Jake, why did you just read the entire list of Major League Baseball games? Well, the quiet answer, the, the simple answer, quite frankly, is it's late June, right? Yeah, that's what we got going on. Indianapolis Indians uh, take on the Louisville Bats in Kentucky tonight. 635. Meanwhile, the Fever, they're in action tomorrow night. Uh, they try to snap a three. Uh, they don't want to sna- they want to snap their two-game losing streak. They're wrapping up their three-game road trip when they host the uh, take on the Phoenix Mer- Mercury tomorrow at 10 p.m. Uh, the Colts yesterday announcing their training camp Wednesday, July 26th. Going to be your first chance to see them play. Colts City hours will be from 9 until noon in Grand Park and Westfield, but practice from 10 until 11 on Wednesday, July 26th, followed by 10 to 11.15 on that Friday. That's the 28th. And then Saturday, night practice, 6 to 7.30 is the time there. 4 until 8 o'clock, the Colts City hours in terms of all of the festivities for the kids that take place. And then more of the same. The night practices would be on Saturday, August the 5th, night practice, 6 until 7.30. And then as well on Wednesday, August 16th, a night practice from 6 until 8. That is a joint practice with the Chicago Bears. That actually would be, I think, probably the one that most people would want to go to. Mm -hmm. Just to be under the lights and see another team and then hear all the guys say, well, you know, we're just happy to be hitting somebody of a different jersey. Of course. Not not only did you have the uh, training camp schedule for the Colts yesterday, but the Pacers announced their summer league roster. And uh, Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nemhard, and Isaiah Jackson all on the 15-man Summer League roster. You know, a game that we can play next. Here's what we're going to do. Summer League player, Major League Baseball player, or guy I went to high school with. I'll bet you if I could, I'm going to, I'm going to give five. You can't look at the roster. I'll bet I can stump you on two of the five. You got it? 
Sure. Unless you say Fanbo Zhang, I think I'm I'm okay. Fanbo didn't last long. He didn't. But he was a summer wasn't he a summer league player? Fanboy guy? was a, a summer league player last year and he got in uh he missed most of the games. He got in late. Last He's rooting for the other team all the time. That's what happened. <laughs> That's part of being the fanboy, yeah. right? Fanboy Zhang last year, typically if you're not on the floor after four games in the summer league, it's probably not going well for you, right? Probably not a long term thing. But but you know, he made his mark. Let's well, say that. definitely on this show. Uh, Stephen Holder in 27 minutes. When we come back, some batting leaders amongst the Major League All-Star team. Basically what I'm getting at is we're going to get you up to speed on who the Pacers are bringing in for the summer roster as well. And you might hear a couple names of dudes I went to high school with. All when we come back on, and be very careful out there because it is uh, a weird start to the morning and don't spend too much time outside. I hate to sound like my dad, but that is the reality of it. It's Kevin and Query here, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Let's bring you back, Jake. It's bringing us back right now, right? Back into the drivehubler.com studios. Mark Dykton, Jake Query, Sam Fritz on the big board. Kevin back on Monday. This was indeed the opening theme to this week in baseball with Mel Allen. You know, the closing theme is the one that it's most known for. We might have to do that on the other side. That That's a great one, too. Okay. I don't I know mean, if I've heard that one. Oh, you've absolutely have heard I? it. Have I? As absolutely. soon as I hear it, I'm like, oh, okay. I might have heard it, but I might not know it was this week in baseball's closing music. It actually is a, is a score called Gathering Crowds, which very few people know. that that's. The, but when you hear it, you're going to go, yeah, no question. Okay. Uh, we were talking last night, or, or talking about the fact that last night, Shohei Atani, what he did for the LA Angels is truly, uh, obviously, historic. Only the sixth time it's been done. I like how they said the sixth time since 1893. Like, as if it was totally commonplace in 1888 and therefore not worth mentioning. I always like that they still mention, like, the modern modern day baseball and starts, like, in 1900. By the way, Sam Fritz writing down this segment out at 854. We got an hour and 13 minutes to fill here. <laughs> <laughs> it's June. What are we going to do for an hour and 13 minutes? Um, I kid with Sam. <laughs> The, it, nobody enough. is thinking straight because we're all in a smoke haze. If you're just getting up this morning in a um, literal fog and you are just out and about a couple of things to rehash before we get to what I was going to talk about here with the Pacers summer roster. Uh, first off, good morning to you. Secondly, do be careful today because uh, and, and I don't usually, you know, buy into and subscribe to the chicken little stuff, but the the air quality is really poor because of the the smoke from the Canadian wildfires that has worked its way south now to Indiana, and I, I mean this morning when I got in my car and was driving down, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I was on Capitol coming into downtown from the north, and you you couldn't see downtown. It literally looked like a foggy morning, but it's smoke. The air quality is listed as quote very unhealthy. Um, and you can definitely sense it. I mean, when you get out, like my eyes were burning a little bit or like stinging. Uh, I had a really bad sore throat yesterday. I just feel like you breathe, you breathe heavier when you're out there too. You're totally. Like, I, and I did see people walking around and I know people want to make fun of it, whatever. I, I, I saw even this morning, I did see, I saw one guy jogging and he was wearing a mask and I'm like, look, man, if you got to wear a mask because the air quality while you're jogging, you just hit, hit a treadmill. Right? Yeah. There's got to be one around here somewhere um, indoors. Secondly, somebody asked me, they said, Jake, can you please recap for those of us new to the show, and thank you for being new to the show, the race for PBR baseball contest. Very simple, and thank you for asking. At the beginning of the baseball season, uh, we pulled up the one of the apps, I don't remember which, and picked the three teams. Well, there were like eight teams that were predicted to, who's over-under 
of total number of wins were, I think it was 75 was the number we went with. So the teams who had an over-under of less than 75 wins for the year, we each picked one of them. That being, when I say we, myself, you, Mark Dykton, Kevin Bowen, um, JMV, I think Eddie Garrison, and I believe Sam Fritz threw their hat in this ring as well. We let them think they're part of the game, but they're really not. Okay, um, to defend, I didn't throw my hat in the ring. You just gave me a team. Jay. What, what team <laughs> did you get? That is true. I the think Pittsburgh just, Pirates. Yeah. So the deal was whoever of these teams, primarily of the three main original members of this game, uh, who whoever of the three has the team that wins the most games in this calendar season, the other two have to buy him a six-pack of PBR. So Kevin owes one. We already know that. Kevin took the Oakland Athletics, who are standing right now at a stout 21-60. and 60. They are only 28 games back of the Texas Rangers. Mark Dykton went with the – now let's go with the others that are in poor contention here. The Kansas City Royals. JMV took the Kansas City Royals. They are 22-57. and 57. They find themselves 17 games back of the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Sam Fritz got the Pittsburgh Pirates. They are at 36-42, and 42, five games back of your now once again NL Central leading Cincinnati Reds. And Mark Dykton, the Arizona Diamondbacks, 48-32. and 32, They are leading the National League West. What was that you just did? I kissed the sky like Sammy Sosa. Now, if they are 48-32 and 32 and the Orioles are 48-30, and 30, that means technically Baltimore's, what, a game up? Yeah, they have a win percentage of 615 compared to the Diamondbacks who have a win percentage of 600. So the Orioles, the team that I took, they lost yesterday to the Reds, thus allowing Arizona to nip on the heels. The Orioles, of course, if you're also new to the show, they I call them simply cute fella because the little Oriole bird is a cute fella. And he if you look at him, he's just saying, hey, root for me. He's a cute-looking fella, right? Now, sure. Shohei Atani, as I mentioned, what he did last night, 10 strikeouts, two home runs. Sixth time it's happened since 1893. And that got me thinking about the fact that Major League Baseball, just they do not promote their stars. And I think a lot of people don't know who stars are in Major League Baseball. Additionally, the Pacers summer roster was announced. We'll, we'll get you up to speed on who that is. I think that one, you'll know a lot of the names, truth be told. Um. But we're going to do a game here. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven names. Okay. These are divided amongst Pacers Summer League roster, Major League Baseball players, All-Stars. No, no, no. I'm sorry. These are amongst the top 50 uh, batting leaders this year, right now. Okay. And dude I went to high school with. Okay. So, Sam Fritz, would you like to participate in our game as well? If you'll have me. Um. You have well, to take I mean, the Pittsburgh Pirates. You, you crashed the party at our PBR. Yeah, it depends. Are you going to just give too? my answers for me too? <laughs> no, <laughs> I I will give you give me a number one through seven, Sam Fritz. I would just like to go with seven. Number seven, Josh Jung. Say again. I'm sorry. Josh Jung. Is that a major league player, a Pacer summer league roster player, or a guy I went to high school with? Give me a Pacer summer league player, please. Do you have the sound effects? Yeah. Andy? Which one do I need to do? You have the the. The ding, ding and the buzzer? or the buzzer. Yes. He is uh, third baseman of the Texas Rangers. 0 for 1. All right. Mark Dykin. One. Uh, one. Number one. Robert Woodward. 
The show's over at eight or uh, ten. So relax yeah. over there. Uh, we got an hour and fifteen minutes to kill. Uh, I will say, person you went to high school with. Damn it. Uh, he is a forward out of Mississippi State that is on the Pacers summer league roster. We're off to a flying start here. All right, Sam Fritz, give me a number. Three, please. Number three, Corby Miller. Corby Miller. That that has Pacers Summer League written all over it. Oh, boy. This nope. is not going well. Corby Miller, dude I went to high school with. Good guy. Actually. Two. You're behind me. Two for you, yep. Mark Dykton. Mm-hmm. Ethan Thompson. Oh, boy. Pacers Summer League player. Yes! <laughs> he is a forward out of Oregon State that's on the Pacers Summer League. We got one of them here, okay? Uh, Sam Fritz, give me a number. Uh, we have five left still, right? Uh, we have four left. No, I mean the number Oh, five. the number five is yes. still, yes, that is correct. Corbin Carroll. Corbin Carroll, guy you went to high school with. Come on, Sam. <laughs> Do you know Mark? No, I don't know. He's a left fielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks. <laughs> I just wanted him to get off the board. Okay, we got two left here. Uh, I will give you, would you like number four or number six, Mark Dyke? Oh, give me number four. Number four, Damon Houston. Play, uh, Pacer Summer League player. Damn. <laughs> Damon Houston's my guy. Played with him at North Central. He went to Purdue. Good dude. All right, uh, last one. Nathaniel Lowe. Oh, I know this oh, yeah, one. Oh, yeah, that's a baseball player. Yeah, baseball player. Yeah, I had to give you guys an easy one, right? Hold on a second. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Double click there, right? Uh, Pacers Summer League roster. Eli Brooks out of Michigan. Kendall Brown out of Baylor, who's been around for a while. Isaiah Jackson playing in the Summer League from Kentucky. Mojave King, who we talked about. Uh, now, he is. Uh, you. You've talked about him a lot. Yeah. What's that? You've talked about him a lot. The The desert jokes have been nonstop. You know, he could shoot from outside as if he's on a desert island. Oh um, Nate Lazuski from Notre Dame, Benedict Matherin. A little surprising that Matherin's playing in summer league? Uh, yeah, given that he had a really solid rookie campaign. But, I mean, also, he maybe just wants to, he, he wants to get that work in. He's got that dog in him. So, maybe he wants to just get some summer league reps in. And uh, Nemhard also there, and as well as um, Isaiah Jackson, too. Uh, Darius McGee from Liberty. Ben Shepard, the draft pick out of Belmont. Ethan Thompson, who we just mentioned, out of Oregon State. It's funny because Ethan Thompson, it says Oregon State and Puerto Rico. Uh, Oregon State had a power forward. What was his name from from Puerto Rico that played in the Pan Am Games in 87? It was a pretty good player. Um, Jorge Ortiz that was drafted in the late 80s also from Puerto Rico and Oregon State, for that matter. Uh, Oscar Schwebe, that's the one that, to me, is really intriguing out of Kentucky because he was the National Player of the Year two years ago, as we know. A little bit undersized, 6'9", from an NBA standpoint, but a rebounding machine. Um, And I think they are very curious to see what he can do on a two-way deal. Jarris Walker, of course, out of Houston. Isaiah Wong out of Miami. And Robert Woodard II out of Mississippi State. That is your Pacers Summer League roster. Matherin, I, I did hear people, you, you know, saying like, I mean, come on, Matherin, like we know what he can do in the league. Now, does he need to play in the summer league? Probably same true of Nimhard. Yeah. I also uh, you know, you think know what those guys can do, but still I, you want to get, you want to kind of stay going. I, I get I, it. I right? also wouldn't expect those guys to play full, you know, they're not playing in every single game and they're not going to be playing full minutes. I mean, this is probably just to get some reps. You know, in the off season and all that, I don't expect them to be playing ton of minutes in these summer league games. Uh, this from Scotty Johnston, by the way. The reason for the 1893 delineation for the Shohei status because that's the first year the pitcher's mound was at its current distance of 60 feet six inches. What was the 
What was the distance before then? Do you know? I have no idea. Was it closer or further? I'm going to say closer. Think that's so? A, that's a complete guess. I, you think? I mean. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know my 1893 I've baseball trivia this. too I've well. always wondered this as well, okay? In 1893, how many teams were in? First off, you know the old George Carlin line. The first Major League Baseball team, Mark, was who? The Brooklyn Dodgers, right? No. Oh, the Cincinnati Reds. Correct. I don't know why I said. So Brooklyn who did Dodgers. they play? <laughs> right. Each other. It's like it's like a split squad situation. I, clearly, like who they play? The Reds. They, they and, ghost runners a lot of the time. <laughs> they, uh, what, you know the other question then? Ghost runner on second. Ghost man on second. You hit a double. What happens? Ghost runner scores. Thank you. Um, but back in those days, the travel. I, like I think about that all the time. Yeah, well, horse it, and buggy. I mean, honestly, like. There's a lot of dysentery the back Cincinnati, then. The Cincinnati Redlegs are leaving on a seven-week, two-game road trip, <laughs> right? Like, what? What? how did they do that? Lineup card been been brought in by our Carrier Pigeon. <laughs> Carrier Pigeon, sponsored by Western Union. Honestly, the Pony Express delivering the team so that they could play from one game to the next. I, like, stuff like that fascinates me, though. Am I the only one that thinks about stuff like this? Probably. It's just you and Boo hanging out. <laughs> I, I hey, asked Boo. the cat. He doesn't know. I'm like, Boo, enlighten me on this. Licks himself and walks into another room. <laughs> That's good. Thank you. You know? It says here, and this is obviously Google, so this is probably wrong. It says the original baseball mound was 45 feet away. Good Lord. <laughs> Imagine Randy Johnson throwing at you from 45 feet away. Yeah, that would be a lot of birds dead on the ground. Yeah, that that that's probably a great thing that they moved that back. So I was major, right; it was closer. From the, the beginning of baseball in 1845 to 1880, the pitching distance was 45 feet. In the beginning, the pitcher had to throw the ball from behind a 12-foot line. In 1863, another 12-foot line, 48 feet from home plate, was added to create a pitcher's box. The dimensions of this box did not change for nearly two decades. There you go. Okay, the 1893 Major League Baseball standings. Now, this is amazing. Oh, we are in June, if you can't tell. Now, this is amazing to me, though. You know how many games they played in 1893 in Major League Baseball? How many teams were there? 12. 48. 129 games. Well, that's excessive. I mean, how, how long did it take the, the, the winner, by the way, at 86 and 43, the Boston Bean Eaters? The Boston Bean Eaters were the winners in 1893. They played 129 games. How long did it take the Boston Bean Eaters to go play the Louisville Colonels? I don't know. Like, how long was that road trip? Pittsburgh Pirates, Cleveland Spiders, Philadelphia Phillies, New York Giants, Cincinnati Reds, Brooklyn Grooms. You know, the, the Brooklyn Grooms. Don't take your kids to that game. Uh, Baltimore Orioles, Chicago Colts. St. Louis Browns, Louisville Colonels, and Washington Senators. There's your 1893 Major League Baseball standings. Yeah, that had to be fascinating how that worked back then. I mean, honestly, though, like kidding aside, it, it is, you do wonder. I, I think sometimes we assume that life was far more primitive, like pre-20th century, than it really was. I mean, don't get me wrong, I realize it wasn't you know, the modern stuff. But I, I think that we think like they were 10 years removed from living in caves 
and I don't think that was necessarily the case. Stephen Holder joins us. We'll talk about the Colts training camp release and what to look forward to up in Westfield. He is going to join us next here on a Wednesday edition. Kevin and Corey, 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Rolling along on a Wednesday, Jake Query, Mark Dykton here as well. Sam Fritz on the big board, Kevin Bowen back on Monday. And if you are planning on being outdoors today for activities, you might want to check. Children's Museum just announcing that outdoor activities for kids today are not going to open up because of the poor air quality due to the smoke from the Canada wildfires. If so, it looks like that here, what does it look like in Canada right I now? I thought that. I, But I just saw, like, in Toronto, the air quality, the measurement. I, I have no idea how they – I mean, I know what the number means, particles per whatever, but – uh, in Toronto, it was 158. Right now in Indianapolis, it's at like 225. The higher, the worse it is. Right. Um, bad stuff. Joining us now on the Payless Sickers Hotline from ESPN.com, the Colts writer Stephen Holder joins us. Uh, Stephen, first off, yesterday the Colts training camp schedule was released. Wednesday, July 26th will be the first opportunity for fans to be able to go out for camp kickoff, 10 to 11 a.m., will be practiced, then on Friday the same. Uh, obviously not every day it is open to fan accessibility, I guess, but it does seem to me, and this is how I know I'm just getting older, it seems like camp gets lighter each year. Am I hallucinating that, or is there some accuracy to that? And I'm not saying that they need to do like the Junction Boys type stuff, but um, it seems like the the days get shorter and shorter, fact or fiction. No, that's true. That is true. And first of all, I would I would quickly say to your previous point about the air quality. I drove through downtown yesterday, and I was I thought I had made a wrong turn. You could not see the skyline like at all. It's crazy. Couldn't I know. It. And that was the Couldn't same this it. morning, Stephen. I mean, it's it's it, it literally is like I, I told Mark earlier. Like I, I felt like I was looking at the scene of some Will Smith apocalyptic fictional movie. Exactly. <laughs> it really did. I, I, I mean, it way, is but... it is weird for sure. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it, no, you're not wrong about about camp. And it's not just the Colts, to be clear. I mean, this is a a league wide trend. It, it's happening. It's happening at all levels. Um, even down to high schools, that some of the the smarter coaches have, or at least the op- more open minded coaches have, also gone this way. Not to the same extent, but the point is, yeah, I think. With the Colts and with the rest of the NFL, frankly, um, if you look at their the makeup of their staff today versus what it was maybe 20 years ago with most teams, uh, you, you see positions that did not once exist. You know, things like sports scientists and dietitians and, and those kinds of things that were never a consideration in the past. The sports science has taken on such a prominent role that they are now fully integrated into everything that these teams do. And whether it proves to be true or not in the long run, we'll see. But, but the science is telling them that less is more. And, you know, that, that doesn't have anything to do with whether your favorite team wins or loses, right? Because they're all doing it on some level. So it is easy to say, 
uh, well, you know, they practiced less and then they had a bad season. Well, that may or may not happen, but, but I think in the long term, what the science tells them is this is going to be better for players' bodies and recovery and things like that, which directly affect performance. There's no doubt about it. So they are, they are changing. I think the NFL was, was, it, it was slow to happen. But I think if you remember back in the 2000s, you saw things like the, the Corey Stringer death, for example, in Minnesota, where I can remember you know, being a sports writer at that time, and I was covering college football even at that moment, and, I, and you could see the sensitivity to that issue immediately kind of come to the forefront you know, to heat exhaustion and things like that. And so we've traveled now you know, to an even greater level of awareness uh, two decades later to where we are now. So it's going to look a lot different, you know, if you're an old school football fan, but, but the goal is a noble goal. ESPN Colts reporter, Stephen Holder joining us on the Payless Liquors hotline this morning. Stephen, any thoughts on uh, eight of the 13 practices being morning practices? I know, I believe Frank Reich had mostly like game time practice times. Uh, any, any thoughts on that with Shane Steichen going with morning, morning practices well, for the most part? I'll say I'll say this, I, Frank Reich during during training camp. Actually, they used to go fairly early in training camp. Now during the season, he did have a an approach of wanting to to practice more so uh, at game time. So that's true, but I but I think in camp, what they have done is really tried to beat the heat, <laughs> and and so I think that's twofold for the players and probably also for the fans to a lesser extent. I don't think they care as much about the fans, but I think they do care some. If they're asking people to drive to Westfield, you know, you prefer it to be pleasant. So that's a factor there. And, and I think the, the, the days in training camp tend to be long as well. So, you know, they're trying to get – I think you're trying to preserve players a little bit. You know, if you have them practicing in the middle of the day, uh, it becomes a longer day for them probably just physically, you know. So, so that's what's happening there. I do think that makes some sense. I mean, you don't have the same level of humidity at, say, 10 o'clock in the morning as you do at, like, 1 o'clock. The difference is pretty huge, obviously. So I get it. And, and I think there's some, it goes back to a lot of what we were just talking about. It's, it, it goes along the same lines. You know, I can remember back in the day, for example, covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, for example, and – when I first got on that beat, they were practicing at, at Disney wild, wide world of sports uh, before moving back to Tampa in a few years. But the point is they would, they would have two days back then. They still had two days back in the mid two thousands. And we'd go out there. I think the first practice was like eight forty five, So it wasn't too bad. And then they had a second practice at like three fifteen in the afternoon. Have you ever walked outside in Florida in July at three fifteen in the afternoon? I mean, it was insane. You, you couldn't breathe out there the, with the humidity and all that. So teams have gotten a lot smarter about this. And I think a lot of teams are doing their training camp practices in the morning, uh, largely for, for these reasons. So, you know, it all goes back to just being smart. You know, Stephen, it's interesting because you hear a narrative almost every year with the Colts. If, if they get a couple of early injuries, people are like, why are the Colts the most injured team in the NFL? And I don't know that they are. And maybe – there has just been bad luck. You know, I don't, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Do, do you think there's anything that realistically can be done throughout camp one way or another to 
consistently like has there been any formula that has consistently shown to be one that keeps your team healthier than others no it's a great question and i do think every team's fan base thinks their team is the most injured team that that is true (laughs) okay however i will also admit that as having covered the colts now for for 10 years i mean i've spent a lot of those a lot of that time trying to figure out why their injury rates were high. They, they have been on the high side. That is true uh, for, for many of those years. Uh, I, I think they, they feel like they've made some progress there, but I, don't, I also don't know that it's, that it's attributable to anything necessarily. You know, maybe it is just luck. I, I, I don't know that they can say, well, you know, we did this, we did X and Y happened, and we're really proud of ourselves. I, I don't think they can say that. You know, and no one has identified any particular issue to me. So all you can do is is do something different than you were doing and hope for different results. So that's why you see uh, you have seen uh, a change in training uh, approach over the years from year to year. You know, sometimes you have seen changes that way. Uh, you've seen changes to the off season. I, I know that there have been off seasons where they've gone harder than others. This one was probably somewhere in the middle. I don't think they went ridiculously hard. They had, uh, for example, their, their off-season, their OTA practices, I mean, they were going about uh, an hour and 15 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, they were not very strenuous. And, and a lot of that is just individual work. You know, they weren't going out there and going real hard in 11-on-11 work. So it, it all goes back to you're just trying to find that, that – special sauce, but it's, it's really elusive and, and no one really has found it. The one thing I'd say is that there have been questions and I know I'm sure you guys have talked about it. There have been questions about the Lucas oil stadium turf and, and they have done player surveys over the years that have not reflected kindly on, on whether that turf, uh, you know, it, it predisposes players to injury you know, I don't know that anything can be done about that. Is it too There's deep? And, and by that, I mean, Stephen, yeah. for those that are unfamiliar, the turf, you know, you have the little rubber pellets that, that are basically a simulated dirt, and then the, the field play or whatever it's called, the turf itself. It, it, I, my fear would be, or my thought would be, that if, if it allows for you to plant too heavily, that then your foot is planting and your knee or your ankle is going in a different direction based on the plant. Right. It, could that be it? Is it too soft or too deep? I'm not sure exactly, to be honest. Um, I, what I can tell you is that there have been some there, there has been some momentum toward um, getting a different type of turf. Uh, my understanding is, I believe they use it in European soccer a lot, and, and I forget the name right now. Forgive me, but people can Google this. And it, the information is out there. There are, there are different types of turf that are in use. The NFL, most NFL teams do not use this other type of turf that I that supposedly um, is is better geared you know, to protecting players. And here's the problem: is that replacing turf is very expensive. And if you're an NFL owner, there's not a lot of incentive for you to go and tear up your entire stadium's turf field and go put down another one. And then on top of that, your practice facility too, because that's just as important. In fact, that's where they spend most of their time, right? So you're talking about having to do it in two places, possibly on multiple fields 
at your practice facility, and you may or may not see some improvement. You know, so it's not as if we can promise that that will lead to improvement. But but anyway, there have been studies done. I, I just think that even though we've been seeing turf fields used for a long time, uh, on the whole, this is still relatively new. You know, if you think about just the totality of time that we've been playing football, I mean, this is still on the newer side. And so I think we're still learning. And there's no doubt about it that, that field turf, is is something we need to look at very carefully and and take a fresh approach to look at i think whenever Steven, possible think about this this is insane okay yeah. for the first i guess it would have been 20 years of existence the indianapolis colts had their players playing on like a quarter inch rollout skin rash oh. that was sitting over concrete i, I mean oh. it's amazing that eric dickerson can walk i agree I agree. I mean, Barry Sanders did it on, on that kind of turf too. You know what I mean? It's, it is amazing. And I remember, you know, I didn't, I never really understood it till I remember as a kid, uh, my, my family had a, had a good friend. We had good friends in Houston, Texas, and we went to visit them once. Um, we were thinking about moving out there and we ended up going to an Astros game and, and we did not have a baseball team in South Florida at this time. And, and obviously, it being South Florida, there was no artificial turf. I had never even seen this stuff. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we play outdoors, you know. So, anyhow, go to the AstroTurf. I'm sorry, go to the AstroDome and sit in the, sit in the outfield I'm pretty close up. And Willie McGee's out there running around on this stuff. And I'm like, this is carpet. Totally. It was shocking. And it was like plastic carpet that was just like literally, <laughs> if you get within six inches of it, you immediately get a rash. I mean, it was crazy. It was Did you see, to me even as a kid. You know, Stephen, have you seen, uh, on a side note, and we'll get back to the football in a second here, but this does interest me. Like, I just recently read an article about the Philadelphia Phillies of the early to mid-90s and the number of players they've had that have either been stricken by or passed away from, like, brain tumors or cancer. And they believe that it – they don't know, but they theorize that it could be from – the heat vapors that came off of the particular kind of turf they used in Veterans Stadium. And wow. That, honestly, isn't that crazy? Wow. Like, because you're talking about, about basically story. melting plastic that well, you're that's, standing that's exactly on. exactly what came to mind. Yeah, like it's like someone working on an assembly line, you know, with around some hazardous chemical, and then 20 years later they got to correct, do, you know, 3M <laughs> to, to get their uh, – to, to get their their medical bills paid or something. I mean, that's that's insane. I had not heard that. That is heavy. Wow. Hey, um, when are we going to hear? And and I know this is my my weekly question. Stephen Holder's our guest on the Payless Sugars Hotline. You can read his work at ESPN.com covering the Colts. I, and I realize, Stephen, I've asked you this probably weekly, but when, if at all, are we going to hear resolution on the Isaiah Rogers story, or should this guy never have taken to Twitter? No, no, no. Uh, I, I don't know what the resolution is going to be, but we have we continue to hear that it's going to be soon. I thought it might I thought it might have been last week, frankly, and that did not happen. Uh, but I think it will be very soon, not soon, but very soon, potentially. From what I hear, let's put it that way. I'm guessing uh, no Major idea, League Baseball's but, but, All Star break, maybe <laughs> right when baseball's got their biggest <laughs> summer league show off. Yeah, that's right. I'm thinking more like Friday at five mm-hmm. or four fifty nine. You know, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there, but yeah, I, I think that's that's kind of. 
how the NFL does business. So, you know, the Friday news dump is is very frequently their preferred method. So we'll see. We'll see. But I, I have not heard any specifics about what the resolution might be or what the decision might be. That I don't know. Steven, what is a reasonable contract extension for Jonathan Taylor look like and a request that he would throw out that the Colts would listen to? They're like, oh, that's fair for both yeah. sides. That's a great question, and it's a hard question. Uh, but they better figure it out, by the way, because this guy's not happy. I'm going to tell you, this, this is true. I, and I've heard some more since his comments the other day, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I've, I've gotten some additional context around that, and he, he's really not happy. And, and I'm not saying that means – you have to run and just give him whatever he wants. It's a negotiation. I get it. Uh, but I'm just saying, I mean, we've never seen this from, from Jonathan Taylor, the ultimate say the right thing and raw, raw team guy. I mean, he's always to the point where, you know, secretly among ourselves, uh, the, the beat writers, we roll our eyes at, at him. Like, I mean, I know I shouldn't say that publicly, but, you know, in a, in a kidding kind of way, we roll our eyes. It's like, oh, my God, Jonathan, like, say something. You know, you guys have lost 14 games in a row, you know. And, and he's always like, yeah, we just got to keep playing hard, keep trying. And now this is the guy out there saying, damn it, pay me. I'm tired of this. <laughs> I mean, it was shocking. When you think about it from that perspective, like the guy who would say nothing now is, is like, you guys are screwing me. And saying it publicly, that was shocking. I think people have to really understand that part. Anyway, to your question, I, I think the, the three-year timeline has kind of been thrown around and I think has been popular. I kind of like that because I think you probably have, just based on what we know about running backs, you, you can probably realistically expect a couple more really good years from him. And then after that, it depends. You know what I'm saying? It depends on injuries depends on workload it depends on a lot of things right does he see decline he's a he's a guy who relies heavily on speed you know when does that start to change you know so so those are those are all the variables when you start talking about the length of the contract so i like that i think the question has to be you know what are we talking about on average per year and and how much can you give them up front those are kind of you know, those are those are difficult things to figure out. But I, I do think somewhere in the, I don't know, I, I think over the first two years, I, I think if you're him, you want to get somewhere in the neighborhood of, of forty million dollars. If you're him, that doesn't mean he's making twenty million a year. I'm just saying, in what what he takes to the bank over the first two years, you'd like that to be. If just throwing it out there off the top of my head, you'd like it to be 35 to 40 million. And then the, the, the last year can just be kind of whatever. But, you know, that would involve, once you, once you factor in the signing bonus and things like that, I think it's pretty, I don't think it's real hard to get to that number, you know? So, you know, what's the total number? I don't know. I mean, is it, you know, is it, is it 45? Is it 48? Is it 50? That kind of depends on how you structure it. But the big thing, if I'm his agent, you know, most of the time, if you're talking about a multi-year contract, what you care about is what you get on day one and what you're going to get over the, the first two years, three years, if it's a longer contract, that kind of thing. So for a three-year deal, I would highlight what he gets in the first couple of years. And if you're the Colts, those are the years you care about because once you get to year three for a running back who's on a second contract, you know, that's when you start to have to assume nothing. 
It's Kevin and Query, ESPN Colts reporter Stephen Holder joining us on the Payless Liquors Hotline for another couple minutes. Stephen, I want to circle back to what you said about Jonathan Taylor's unhappiness. Does that have more to do with outplaying his contract or more seeing the landscape of the running back situation in the NFL right now where he's seeing other veteran guys, you know, Dalvin Cook getting released, Ezekiel yeah. Elliott still out of a job, Austin Eckler fighting with the Chargers, Najee Harris fighting with the Steelers, Saquon Barkley fighting with the Giants. Is that more to do with he's seeing the state of running back and kind of like, okay, I better get my money while I can? What's going on there? Uh, I think I think it's both. I, I think it's both. It's, I mean, look, there have been – if you go back to 2021, for instance, uh, I mean, that team ultimately you know, failed at the end of the season. But, but let's just talk about the impact Jonathan Taylor had that year. I mean, where are they without him? I mean, you know, I, we could talk about Carson Wentz, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions, blah, blah, blah. Let, let's, let's be honest, okay? The only reason that team moved the ball was Jonathan Taylor, okay? <laughs> let's, let's not even pretend. That's why they moved the football that year. And so, and he, he paid for it um, with, you know, with having a physical setback last year. You know, this guy has like 330 carries or something along those lines running backs with over 300 carries uh, very rarely have a, a good follow-up season and I did the research on this and he he was well over 300 that year and he paid a price for it and so I think he's looking at it from a workload standpoint and if I don't get it now and then I have another big workload this year where does that leave me I would be very reluctant to get out there and want to and want to carry the ball you know, 250, 300 times this year if you're Jonathan Taylor and not get my money. I, I, I would be aghast at having to do that. But, Stephen, so, my thing is this. Do you get return on investment? Well, it, that's that's a fair question. I think uh, now there's there's two ways of looking at this. From a production standpoint, statistically, yes. But does that mm -hmm. translate into wins in 2023 in the National Football League? That's that's the fair question, and it, it is a totally fair question. I think if you're as it relates to Jonathan Taylor, what you have to do is you have to ask yourself, okay, is there? Because I think the running back position in in general, right? We can kind of answer that question, and the answer to your question is not necessarily because they are largely in, interchangeable, and that's why teams have taken this approach. You know, we can just plug guys in. If we got a good blocking scheme, we're going to run the ball. And that's been proven relatively true. The question the Colts have to ask, and, and what Jonathan Taylor's case likely is, is that, well, I'm different. And I think there's a case to be made for that. You know, I'm not your average running back. I, I do think for him, if I'm his agent, I'm not. If I'm his agent, though, the case I make is that, look, I, this guy is a big play player. Okay? He's a big play player. And – and that kind of separates him from, you know, the guys who maybe have a lot of yardage, but, but maybe are, you know, sort of, a, you know, four yards or five yards of carry, and they just kind of consistently move the chains. That's great, but that's not going to win you games. Jonathan Taylor can make big plays that do win you games. He has done that. And so I think that's been his biggest calling card. So that, to your question, it's not as straightforward, you know, does it, does it translate? It's not as straightforward with Jonathan Taylor because of the kind of player he is. Now, then the question becomes, will he continue to be that player? He was hurt last year and he was not that player. So, but that's, that's the nature of doing these contracts. 
You know, you are, you're projecting and that's a hard thing to do. I think it's a hard negotiation. I have said this, I said this a long time ago and it's proving to be true. This is going to be a hard negotiation and here we are. Okay. Most critical question to wrap it up for you, Stephen. You ready? A little peek okay. behind the curtain for people in midsummer content here on Sports Talk Radio. Probably most would be stunned to know this, except for the the cultured nature of the two of us. Um, when not talking about the Colts on the radio, you and I take in Broadway musicals together. This is a fact. <laughs> well, I, I well singular, not plural. But <laughs> okay, well, it has happened. Yes, <laughs> that we we have others that are on the docket here that that may be up and coming. I'm I'm interested okay. to see To Kill a Mockingbird in January, for example. Disney's Frozen probably not of interest to me. Um, Tina Turner, there's a musical about Tina Turner coming up in April uh, that's coming uh, here. At any rate, the most recent uh, that, that came through that we saw at Clues, the two of us saw, was Ain't Too Proud, which was the story of The Temptations. In your, I don't know how many Broadway shows you have seen, you would rank it where? Would that be like average, slightly above average, below average, or you know, good, very good, etc.? Look, I'm, I, as I admitted before, I'm not the authority, but I would tell you in my um, uncultured, from my uncultured point of view, I thought it was excellent. Like I had no expectations and I thought it was fantastic. I mean, I really was surprised because I went in with no expectations, really kind of not knowing what we were getting into. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. The performances were, were great. Yeah, also, and I, I didn't... You, you, are, you are much more... Um, of a, of a, um, I think expert on this. So Theater you nerd, you can say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. No, but he, but he does know more than me about this. And I thought you, you felt the same way, right? Yeah. I thought it was really well done. You know, the, it's interesting because Steven is, as, as you and I were talking about in the, when we were in the audience, you know, for me personally, the temptations certainly, you know, they're one of those, they're an iconic, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, Motown act. And the number of songs, you know, there were several songs in it that I'm like, you know what? I'd forgotten this was the Motowns. I would have, or yeah. excuse me, the Temptations. I would have thought it was the Supremes or the Platters or another Motown act. I thought the story was fascinating. I didn't realize the backstory, not only of the band, but some of the conflict within the band, the loyalty within the band. Um, so I thought it was really well done. And then I always think to myself, Stephen, and this is what I, this is why I wish people could take their younger people to see shows you as I was watching the performance and listening to the performers sing the songs of the temptations that many of them sounded exactly like the temptations right Mm, yeah and I was thinking to myself you know probably a percentage of the people that I'm sitting here watching perform on stage that are getting a standing ovation were like outcasts in their high school graduating class or were just like the yeah. the, the, the forgotten yeah. you know nerds or whatever else you know what I mean like to use yeah. those high school terms, and here they are right I mean just un- and and then you think to yourself like there are a lot of really talented people out there man really talented yeah, people yeah I, I thought about like you know those theater kids you know like you said in, in high school that they maybe get made fun of well now they're on stage you know getting standing ovations from. Uh, from thousands of people, which is kind of cool, you know. Totally, so I, I did think about that. Yeah, yeah, totally. It was uh, it was very cool. Well, Stephen, we appreciate the time as always. Be safe today. Honestly, st- uh, stay inside, man. It's ugly out, you know. Yeah, it's ugly out there. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've said that, if ever before, about smoke, but that's the reality of it. Stephen, appreciate it. Yeah, guys, take care. Stephen Holder from ESPN.com on the Payless 
Liquors Hotline. Um, now I'm seeing how much Frozen is going to cost me this fall. Oh, you uh, didn't know it was there? No. But how, much, sh- how much is it? I don't know. But I'm, I'm shuddering right now. So I'm, my parents have season tickets to the Broadway Indianapolis shows. And, I mean, it's fabulous. We've seen – I mean, I saw Ain't Too Proud. I, we saw Hamilton. We saw um, From Far Away. We saw – there was another one. Um, Hairspray. Rent. Um, I've seen. I don't know. I've probably seen ten. The, the Lion King. Okay. I, I think I've seen ten total. It was really good. The one about the Temptations was really good. I've seen a few back in my day. I haven't been gone recently, but since kids. But we've seen a few. We saw so, Wicked. We so saw. Are you going to go see Disney's Frozen? Probably. I'm sure. I'm sure that'll be a big hit for the girls. So yeah, probably. Uh, time, by the way, for a morning checkdown. We shall begin in baseball. The Indianapolis Indians are in Louisville to take on the Bats in International League play tonight at 635. I don't know if Buddy <laughs> if Buddy and Buddy's Buddy's Buddy. What? Are you okay? You keep saying the you word gotta, Buddy. You got to get the, out. Gotta get the right. joke out, Bud. I can't, I can't think about the Louisville Bats without thinking about Buddy's Buddy. Sorry. Say that story again for those that aren't aware. Well, I've told the story like a thousand times. Well, there's, one there's no way that anybody doesn't know. I went with Dave first 25 years ago to a Louisville Bats game. We went to a Reds game, and they were like, let's go to the Louisville Bats game. Let's drive over to Louisville and go to their game, make it a doubleheader. And then we got there, and by the, like, the third inning, we're like, what are we doing? We're slap happy. We've been there forever. We've been, we went to the Reds game earlier in the day. We're tired. So we're there. They're playing the Syracuse Sky Chiefs. We are intentionally acting like diehard Sky Chiefs fans, annoying the crowd. And the Louisville Bats mascot is a bat, like a like a not a bat, right. like a Louisville Slugger, like a uh-huh. the the flying kind. Correct, the flying the Michael Keaton's. And so Buddy is his name, and in like the fifth, I don't know, it might have been the seventh inning stretch. So like, okay, kids, it's time for Buddy, and and, and Buddy's trusted assistant was a. a Portly fellow named Buddy's Buddy. He had a little jersey that says Buddy's Buddy. So Buddy comes out on a go kart <laughs> and is doing hot laps around the the diamond, mm-hmm. and and he goes in the left center, and his the left side rubber it gets onto the well, actually it would have been the right side. Uh, got a little bit on the grass, a little off the warning track. He he took it a little hot into the corner, and the go kart flipped about eight feet in the air, to which it landed on top. <laughs> buddy who's laying and you can see his little wing kind of flapping and and kids are aghast in horror and screaming and and terrified at this horrible sight wheels are still spinning they're zooming out from the jumbotron and and first and i are laughing uncontrollably you can hear our laughter somewhere between jeffersonville and scottsburg and then the pa guy comes on and says don't worry kids buddy's buddy's on his way out and the little portly fella had to sprint from the dugout all the way out to center field and help lift the go-kart his wings just got clipped (laughs) buddy buddy and his wings eventually i I think he was okay he was okay i haven't been to a little bats game yet at at Louisville, but i'll have to go look for him do you know why he had the accident why blind as a bat oh uh phillies over the cubs yesterday 5-1 it was the pirates over the padres 9-4 mets over the brewers 7-2 dodgers over the rockies but most importantly the cincinnati reds back in first in the national league central because they beat cute fella in the orioles 3-1 in baltimore last night milwaukee now surrenders back 
the lead in the NL Central because the Brewers yesterday, did they play yesterday or were they idle? The Brewers? Yeah. I think I'm they were off. Uh, yeah, they lost to the Mets 7-2. to Oh, I just said that, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, that's why the Reds are back in first place in the NL Central. Uh, Guardians over the Royals 2-1. It was the Rangers over the Tigers 8-3. Athletics over the Yankees 2-1. And Mark's Diamondbacks 8-4 winners Hell yeah. yesterday. Pretty quiet elsewhere in the world of sports. Indiana Fever off today. They will take on the Phoenix Mercury in Arizona to wrap their three-game road trip tomorrow night. That tip-off is at 10 o'clock. Pacers also announced their summer league roster, uh, notably Benedict Matherin, uh, Andrew Nemhard, and Isaiah Jackson all on the summer league roster. Not sure how much playing time they'll all get, but they were three of the 15 men announced for the roster there. Uh, speaking of the NBA, when we return, the NBA free agency about to get underway and the list of free agents, including those that might be of interest to the blue and gold and those that might be of interest to people that I would say proceed with caution. We'll get into all of that on the other side on this Wednesday edition of Kevin Aquari, 93.5, The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. So this does mark or does not sound familiar to you? This part does. Yeah, I don't think I would have ever associated it with this week in baseball. Where else would you have heard it? At a wedding, it sounds like. Sounds very, very celebrational. Celebratory, if you will. Yeah, right there. The best, man. While the credits are rolling, you're watching Ron Say rounding third in slow motion. Uh, we talked earlier about good this week in baseball to lead off the show. That's why I'm playing that. Uh, good morning to you. Jake Query here along with Mark Dykton. Sam Fritz, we are inside the drivehubler.com studios on Monument Circle. Here on 93.5, 107.5, the fan, NBA free agency. Some of the free agents that are out there, Mark, are guys that I simply list as like proceed with caution. Right. I see a couple already that I'm like, yeah, no thank you. One of those is intriguing to me. Now, not for the Pacers. Because his price tag is going to be massive. But a guy that I always felt like you know, there are certain players in NBA history that were just fabulous scorers, but it never necessarily translated into winning. They were great players to watch. I'm not saying they were bad players, but they were dynamic talents that always were just kind of surrounded by other dudes. Bernard King comes to mind. Dominique Wilkins comes to mind. I actually always felt that of Tracy McGrady, and I know that that's kind of a – he's a polarizing figure. But James Harden, for me, was was that guy to a great extent. And then last year, I actually thought James Harden really kind of redeemed himself as maybe the wrong way of saying it, but I was impressed by him because I always felt like James Harden was just a scorer and that was it. Like, there's – there are guys that understand how to score and guys that understand how to play the game. And, you know, some guys, you can be a scorer and not be a great player. And I know that sounds crazy. 
but you can be a great scorer and not really have any idea how to do other aspects or areas of basketball that helps win games. And I always kind of felt that about James Harden. But then last year, in watching him more closely, perhaps, or just watching the playoffs and et cetera, I thought, I thought to myself, you know what? I've, I've got to give a mea culpa here because I think he is more selfless than I had originally thought. Maybe he hasn't always been that way. Maybe it's playing with Joel Embiid um, and the other complimentary pieces in Philadelphia, which there are some good ones. I don't think he's worth, because I don't necessarily think that anybody's worth the price tag that you're talking about, and I don't mean that from like a, a social commentary standpoint, more so just in the salary cap era, unless you want to pay a lot in the luxury tax, it's difficult to juggle or come up with a roster when you're paying one guy, you know, $45 million a year. James Harden, for example, has a player option, 356 He's going to have a hit, I think, of like 34. I mean, he's way up there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he is one of them that I think you, I would say, proceed a little bit with caution. There is another that jumps out to me. Would you like to guess which? That you like but would proceed with caution with? Yes. There's, there's a, there is one Draymond that I, Green? Okay, that, that's – Draymond Green would be – would you take Draymond Green? For the Pacers? Just in general, if you are an NBA franchise. Uh, I would take him over like Kyrie Irving, I think, at this point. See, Kyrie Irving to me is the one that – zero chance. Yeah. I just wouldn't do it. Yeah, there's too much drama that comes with them. Lots of outside activities and all that stuff that that's just drama you don't need because you know it's just gonna it's gonna bleed into the locker room and bleed into the you know press conferences okay. and all that stuff. Let me give you two others. Draymond Green, I'm gonna put in the same category as another guy. I think Draymond Green has been a great player for Golden State, and he's he brings an it factor that is very hard to replicate. And Reggie Miller said it once best: you need a little bit of crazy on your roster. But crazy goes a long way. And I don't think Draymond Green's crazy per se, but he clearly at the I, I can't speak to what he was like as a younger player. You know, he went after Jordan Poole. We know about that and how much that, that I think fractured that locker room. Uh-huh. Some may say that Jordan Poole was the issue there and not Draymond Green. You know, I don't know. Except for that Draymond Green you know, I go back to when I was a kid and I was a diehard IU basketball fan and I would watch Gene Cady have temper tantrums and I said to my dad once, why does everybody get on Bob Knight but Gene Cady does the same thing and nobody talks about it? And my dad said, well, it's because it's Bob Knight has, has developed that reputation for himself and you eventually you set the standard on what people are going to think about you based on your behavior. He was right. And Draymond Green's the same way. Like, Draymond Green and Jordan Poole can get into a shoving match or even more so than that on tape. And Jordan Poole might be the biggest puke on the planet. I have no idea. But Draymond Green loses benefit of the doubt because of his reputation, because of his previous behavior. Green, to me, has been a wonderful player for Golden State because he is an absolutely the right system to springboard off of what he does well. He's an excellent 
facilitator from the high post. He's a very good passer. He's obviously a defender. He, he irritates other other guys on the, on the other team. He does a lot of things well. But, Mark, I think that he does a lot of things well for Golden State. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that necessarily you airdrop him into any franchise and he is the same player. I think the demand of what he would be asked to do would be greater on any other team other than Golden State. I think that's where That's a very will, good way of saying it, yes. That's where the issue will come is you'll be thinking more point scoring and all that stuff, and that's not what Draymond Green what does. Other He's limi- facilitating to Steph Curry, to Clay Thompson. Yes, whatever limitation he may have is masked in Golden State Correct. and would be exposed the more you ask of him. Now, another guy that fits that mold for me. Can I have one guess? I think I know who it is this time. A guy that I think has developed a nice career, made a lot of money, and increased his perceived value by being in the right system. And I don't know that it translates automatically from any one franchise to the next. Like, there are certain players, Mark. LeBron James is going to be great anywhere he goes. You know, Giannis is going to be great anywhere he plays. There is another guy to me that is in the Draymond Green category of he's a wonderful player because of where he is. Your guess. Well, now I'm changing it the way you, you brought it up. I'm going to say Chris Middleton. Middleton's a, a good player, but I think Middleton has peaked. The option, the original guess was was uh, Dylan Brooks, but he's I mean, the way you promoted that, I'm like, I don't think you're talking about Dylan Brooks. I mean, I don't know. Where does Dylan Brooks end up? I don't know. So have at it. Who, who are you talking about? He's got a sister named Greta that's a musician. Van Vliet? Yes. Yeah, I like him a lot. You do like him? I See, do like I, him a lot. I, I think that Fred Van Vliet, to me, one of those guys that like, and maybe I'm not giving him enough credit. I mean, I think he's a, a obviously he's a very good player. But I think he's a very good player that was kind of tabbed or labeled as a franchise player, and he got paid as such, and I'm not sure that I would go back and – sign him to a big ticket again it will be interesting to see what he knows yeah he is a free agent the Raptors didn't move him at the at the NBA draft so he is free to go wherever he'd like I'm very curious to see who's interested and what that price tag is going to be for him but I've always liked Fred Van Vliet he's always one of those guys right from a distance I'm always like I, I like what he does I know he's he struggled a bit shooting last year and stuff but I've always had a soft spot for Fred Van Vliet I don't know if it's just because the Raptors when they were on that playoff run for a couple of years he was always one of the one of the uh, leaders in that team and stuff, but Fred Van Vliet is going to be very interesting to see who he who he goes to and what he gets paid. What okay. is his worth around the league? How about Cam Johnson? <sighs> he's fine. He's restricted. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, Doesn't cost you a lot. I like him. I think versatiles. I, I, he he kind of does what Indiana needs, right? I'm talking about for the Pacers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not bad. Another one I was looking at for the Pacers, possibly, and I don't know. They they have a lot of they have some pretty decent depth there, so I'm not sure. Uh, Jeremy Grant from the Trailblazers, I've always liked him, him a lot. Yeah, I've always liked him a lot too. Uh, he's one that I would kind of circle. Kyle Kuzma has been brought up as possible for the Pacers and whatnot. So it'll be interesting to see who they are targeting in free agency because those we, we were going over the roster the other day. That rosters that the Pacers have. It's a lot of young guys, but a lot of depth at positions. So, um, curious to see where they're where they're kind of circling as to what they think is the weakest part of their roster and how they're going to hopefully upgrade that in free agency. We have yet to mention the one that probably is the target for the Pacers that could end up here, and that's Harrison Barnes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and 
uh, I'm going to admit to uh, – now, you, we already got into the fact that I admitted or, or you admitted for me that I go to Broadway musicals a lot, which I do love them. I always have a good time when I go to them, and I'm always marveled by the talent at them. About five years ago, I don't even know how it came to be, Mark. I'm not a fantasy sports player. Fantasy football, you know, we, we had our, our team here, and it was fun. Mm-hmm. The the query, uh, uh, the Kevin and Query League was fun. Probably going to um, re-up that next, this year, I except think. Except for well. the one fellow that was wanting to trade constantly and sending. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was insane. Right? Oh, yeah. Every every other day, it was he like was, 10 different trades, and it was like a, a 10 players for one. Yeah. Like, I, what in the world? Right. Um. But the one several years ago, on my own, I just went on to a public league on ESPN.com and did fantasy basketball, NBA fantasy basketball, for the mere purpose of it gave me reason to follow each and every week the game, you know, each night. I mean, what reason would I have to see what happened between Minnesota and Portland? Except for that, you know, I got so-and-so on my mm-hmm. fantasy league. And and I was, like, I get way into it. Last year, as a matter of fact, I was uh, I was 19-1. and one. I won my league in dominating fashion. Very active on the free agency wires, trades. But for the last three years on my team, not a keeper league, I've had Harrison Barnes. I say all of this only to say, as a result of that, I was kind of monitoring or in tune with Harrison Barnes' NBA production. And he is a good player. He is inconsistent. Not necessarily maddeningly inconsistent, though, because his production is based on the nights that he's needed to be productive. And by that I mean he could give you 20, 25. There are nights where he does it. But it was typically when you know Sabonis was out or Darren Fox was out or where they needed scoring elsewhere. Other than that, his role essentially was he is a – I think a a quality teammate, a consistent shooter, not overly quick. He can guard a little bit. He's getting older for sure. Just turned 31. But I think he is a – I'm trying to think of Pacer players. Do you remember when the Pacers got Al Jefferson? Yeah. Al Jefferson was a a huge talent in his early younger years, and then the shelf fell pretty quick. Harrison Barnes is a different kind of player than Al Jefferson. Don't get me wrong. He's not a four like Jefferson or a five. But he he's kind of a 3-4 guy. But I think his role would be similar to Al Jefferson. When the minutes are called upon, he can provide them. But he is more so there for just kind of the veteran leadership stability, and in particular to, quite frankly, to appease Tyrese Halliburton. He would definitely be that, especially when you look at the rest of the Pacers roster. He'd be the veteran old guy in the room at 31 years old, which is crazy to say. But, yeah, they've got quite the youth movement going on I, for the Pacers. I, I do think, by the way, that Harrison Barnes uh, – I think right now if you were, like, putting a wager on it that the Pacers are the clubhouse leader to to end up acquiring Harrison Barnes, unless something's happened that I'm unaware of in no, the last 24 hours. That's the name I've heard the um, most. And, and the Mad Ants might be the leader for Dylan Brooks. We'll have to see. We'll see what happens. I mean, what a knucklehead that guy is. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta. 
Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Interesting that we would play Walk of Life, which is a great song, great music video, because you just heard JMV mention walk-ons. Uh, today, he will be there. That's at 247 South Meridian doing his show. I think I'm going to swing by as well, right here in downtown and see John. And I think some of the folks from work are going to be there as well. So look forward to that. Um, Mark, we talked the last time that you and I were in here together, I think. Uh, not sure how long ago that was. We talked about athletes that would be good replacements for Pat Sajak on Wheel of Fortune. Uh huh. And the whole time, you know, it, it, it almost feels like. There was this search for the next Pat Sajak. And then they announce who it is, and you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. that was pretty obvious from the get-go. Yeah, we tried to put a sports spin on it, but obviously the Wheel of Fortune folks were like, yeah, I think we'll go with the safe and easy route. So Ryan Seacrest is the guy, and I'm not some – here's the thing about Ryan Seacrest. There's nothing about him that – I mean, he's a nice-looking guy. Moisturizes to, probably as much as you do. To me, that's right. Uh, to me, there's nothing about him that jumps out at me as being like this overly talented individual, except for, you know, he's pretty polished, pretty smooth, but he has a, a very unique quality about him, and maybe I'm totally misreading it. I, people can feel free to text or tweet me and tell me if they disagree with this, but I think there's a unique characteristic or quality that somebody has that Ryan Seacrest possesses. Now, let me give you an example, Mark. Give me, um, give me like an uber famous person in American culture, just like a, an uber famous person. Oprah. Okay. Oprah Winfrey. Oprah actually possesses this same characteristic as Ryan Seacrest. If you ran into Oprah Winfrey, if you were walking through the water tower place in Chicago and Oprah Winfrey was like walking along, checking her phone, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, that's Oprah Winfrey," and you said, "Like, Oprah, oh my gosh," what do you think her reaction would be? You get a car. Yeah, I mean, her reaction yeah. would be like, like seemingly her reaction would be like, "Well, how are you? Mm -hmm. What's your name?" Yeah. And like she's, you kind of feel like you know Oprah Winfrey, right? Like everybody's like, "Oh yeah, Oprah." Like, she's on a first-name basis with everybody. Right. Now, there are other television or music or entertainment personalities that, like Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp is, like, uber cool. But Johnny Depp seems like the type that, like, if you saw him, you'd be like, I don't know if I want to go up and say something to him or not because this guy may be like, you know, he, he may, like, snarl at me and walk away. I have no idea. There's a very unique characteristic, and it in itself is probably the a true talent, where Ryan Seacrest, like when you watch American Idol, and I know it's been a while since that show was really in vogue, but mm -hmm. if you watched American Idol, people get up there in front of the judges, and they're like super nervous to, to meet or talk to Katy Perry, or they're super nervous to meet or talk to Lionel Richie, or... You know, predating that, like, obviously Simon Cowell, okay? 
But then they leave that room, and Ryan Seacrest, they're just like, oh, yeah, it's just Ryan Seacrest. Well, Ryan Seacrest is like probably more ubiquitous than than half of them. But he's been Ryan's, around the longest on that show, that's for sure. Right, and he's on everything, right? Yeah. But Ryan Seacrest has this unique characteristic where people consider him the the safety zone. He's like the friend zone to America. I don't know that anybody is like, I'm a diehard fan of Ryan Seacrest, but you don't meet anybody that's like, that guy's arrogant and a jerk. Mm-hmm. People just naturally, I think it's an ultimate compliment to someone of celebrity status that people don't get uber geeked to meet them because they feel like, I just know him. This is Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, I know Ryan. Hey, hey, Ryan, what's up? Yeah, I think you're kind of like, well, this guy's just everywhere. Like he does, well, he did do the show with Kelly Ripa. He does American Idol. He's doing Wheel of Fortune now. He's got a radio show. He does the Dick Van, uh, Dick Van Dyke, Dick Clark uh, New Year's Eve countdown. Like he's just got, he kind of sprays to all fields where he's just kind of everywhere all totally. at once. And so you're like, oh yeah, he's comfortable because he's everywhere already i see him on my tv constantly or on my radio or something so and, and you know what he may from. be i have no idea mark he might be the most difficult diva on the planet i have no idea but his perception his brand is that he's just the everyday guy he's just the dude you went to high school with like oh yeah that's that's ryan we went to high school together that, that's how, that's how he comes across and like and i think that that like on a game show, and Pat Sajak had that. I mean, to an extent, Pat Sajak has has uh, of late become kind of smarmy, but that's kind of the charm to him because now he's like the old guy that's yeah. like you know I've been around a while. But like when you're on a game show, you know th- there's a certain skill set that comes on a game as a game show host. People are on there playing. I think it's so easy to watch Wheel of Fortune and be like, this guy's an idiot. How does he not know that the answer is Austin, Texas? He's only missing one vowel, you know, whatever. But when you're in there and the lights are on and the camera's rolling and the you know and, and the red light's on and you, you start to freeze a little bit, Pat Sajak's very good at kind of keeping people calm about that, mm-hmm. right? Alex Trebek always kind of got joked about as being smarmy, but that was because he wasn't. He was the opposite of that. Ken Jennings, smarmy, right? He's smarmy. Yeah. I think it's important to have somebody in that position where people just feel comfortable and like feel like they're just there like with their buddy hanging out on the weekend in a garage playing cornhole and that's that's how he comes off. Yeah. So I could see it that. seemed like a no brainer now in hindsight. Yeah, I mean obviously we try to put a sports spin on it, but yeah, obviously Seacrest was a choice that if you would have said non sports related, I probably would have put on that list to be quite honest. But the fact that he is going to be the Pat Sajak uh, apprentice, I guess, as you call it, you know, following his footsteps. You're like, okay, we'll, we'll he'll add that to another. Do you know what he makes a year, Ryan Seacrest? Oh, I'm guessing it's in the 20 million range nah, or something. Bro. Well, the amount of tax forms he has to fill out, he's got like eight different jobs. I mean, 20. You, you're saying more? That's you, you just mentioned August. <laughs> well, he's got he's got the radio show. He's no longer, but he was this year on Whoa. Ryan and Kelly. Okay, I was way off. Clearly, Mark just Whoa. looked it up. Well, I mean, you've got – does he still do a morning radio show in L.A.? Uh, I thought he was Sirius XM. Yeah, I think Sirius okay, XM okay, now. What, uh, Holy moly, I was way off. What What are we looking at? Uh, this says $75 million per year. Yeah, He's right. a net worth around $430 million. Yes. Yeah. And what's the other guy from the original American Idol doing now? Nothing. What, what do you mean? What other guy? 
Exactly. See, you remember? You remember when American Idol watched, first started? I only and it was watched Ryan like, Seacrest and the other guy, oh, and then was? the other guy left, and then Ryan Seacrest is just. I'm gonna look it up now. Who is the other guy? Dunkelman is his last name. I know. Yeah. That. So what was his role on American Idol? He was kind of like another Ryan Seacrest. It was just well, like was, he, he was, was Seacrest, there. Was Seacrest already a big deal by then? No, it was the very first season. No one knew who they were, and so it was, it was Seacrest and this other guy, Dunkelman or whatever, and. I think it was like after the second season, he was gone. And then, yeah, Brian Dunkelman, famous for being the co-host with Ryan Seacrest on the first season of American Idol. He now makes his living as an Uber driver. Come on. That's what it says. So why did he leave the show? On his own? I, I don't know. I don't remember. I just remember like- Because his last name was Dunkelman? I, did, I didn't watch American Idol a ton, but I remember I knew who that was. And I was like, oh, that guy's gone. And I was like, okay, it's the second season of a show, whatever. And then you see Ryan Seacrest rise to, you know, making money hand over fist. And then this guy's driving an Uber. That says he's a comedian. Well, I mean, oh, but, you know. And so he drives an Uber. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> good point, Sam. <laughs> Very good point. I, okay. I mean, so the only time I watched America, here's my problem with American Idol. And I don't even know if it's still on. But America's Got Talent, American Idol, um, the voice, all of those. The problem I have with those shows, problem's the wrong word, I guess, but where I get hesitant is now we're saturated with the winners. You know, like people, like the people that go on, I, the, I watched a season of American Idol, one season of it, and it is fun to watch. I mean, you watch it and you kind of you get invested a little bit. And you're like, okay, I want to see how this person does. And they always have like the heart wrenching stories of you know the girl whose grandmother on her deathbed handed her a guitar for the first time, and the girl instantly became you know Dolly Parton. Grandma's dying, and she's handing you a six oh, string. It's always that. Case. I thought you. That's I thought it, of you. That's it. That's honestly what happens. They take these stories. They're always like in West Virginia, right? And they, they have these people in their their you know they, they have the the little vignette and the and and then they come out on the stage in front of Lionel Richie and they start crying and or Simon Cowell or Randy Jackson whatever. So I watched it one season and I thought you'd like this Gibson Angela. <laughs> <coughs> Grandma, don't go. I'm telling you, they, that's what they do. They, they maybe they make the stories up. I don't know, <laughs> but at any rate. When I watched it, it, there was a girl named Megan something that had arm tattoos, and she was like kind of a goofy singer. And the guy that won it, actually the runner-up, and this was always the case too, it's the runner-up that goes on to be the most famous one. I guess kind of like the Dunkelman fella. Well, um, not in the Kelly Clarkson and uh, Justin, whatever his no, name is, the, the guy year, who's doing the Dr. Pepper commercials The year now. that I watched it, the guy that won American Idol worked at a paint store. And I, I think now he's working at a paint store. His name was Lee DeWise. He won it. The runner-up was that Adam Lambert, who's like gone on to – he was he's with Queen now. Correct. I mean, he absolutely took off. Look up Adam Lambert's net worth. And I'll look up the net worth of Lee DeWise. Um, and, uh, and then 25 the, to $35 million. That's his net worth? Yeah. The – there was that Ruben Stoddard or something. He was like the defending winner of the year that I watched it. And then there was some fellow named uh, something Hicks. Taylor Hicks. Hicks. Taylor Hicks. So so that guy is from Birmingham. And one year at the IndyCar race, he was the Grand Prix of the IndyCar Birmingham race. And 
then he went on television and the pre-race and they said, so how excited are you to be here? And he said, oh man, I love Formula One. It was like, okay. And, and I, and he, he also got dropped from his label, right? I don't know. I'm looking up Lee DeWise net worth. First thing that comes up is Lee DeWise, where is he now? That is typically not necessarily like the way that you want things to go. Um, he has a net worth of 500 grand. Not bad. And a couple cans of paint. Interesting. So, anyways, Ryan Seacrest now Wheel of Fortune host. But that doesn't it seem now is he going to do the other shows? I would imagine so. Well, I think we looked it up before where Wheel of Fortune tapes like six episodes a day for like three days, and they have like a full month of shows. So I think that you know he's, he's carved out in his schedule. Okay. Who's the best Family Feud host? Oh, of all Steve time? Harvey, without question. Ooh. Without question. Hold, hold on, hold on. Not hold only on. is he the best Family Feud host, hold on. he's the best game show host of all time. Jeff Probst whoa, whoa, whoa. would like a word. Different kind of game show. Oh, Jeff show, Probst, but... get out of here. Wait a minute. Bob Barker? No. You know the pet community hates Bob Barker? Excuse me? Spay and neuter your pets? <laughs> Why would that? You mean the, the pets? The pet community, yes. So the, the pet, pet community. <laughs> the cats and dogs are like, that guy's a jerk. Okay. So does, uh, who is it? Happy Gilmore doesn't like him either? Yeah. No, wait a minute. Family Feud, though. You got Ray Combs. Who? He, unfortunately. Uh, you got the buzzer? He Well, he had a, he had a sad ending. Oh, okay. Uh, Ray Combs lived in India at one time, I think. He did something here in Indianapolis. Um, Richard Dawson? How, no. How can you, oh, come on, no, man. No, 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 no. How can you? Richard Dawson is the best ever to do Family Feud, and there is no. Uh, and I love Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey yeah, the has fella, put that okay, show. Didn't Louis Anderson do it for a semester or, or for a for a season? I mean, it was about a semester. Ah, Louis Anderson, <laughs> give me pork rinds. Do you remember when Louis Anderson was on Rest His Soul? They they had one of these made up game shows uh, where they had to dive into. It was a diving competition. Yeah, that was like near the end of Louis. Louis, Louis couldn't get out of the pool. I know. <laughs> do you remember? He dove in and like, how do you go on a diving show if you and forget that you don't know how to swim? Well, also, you're trying to make the smallest splash possible. And what are we doing with Louis Anderson? I'm just saying, like, the producers knew what they were doing there. Hey, well, they had that. They they, they knew what they were doing because Catherine Webb was that her name? AJ McCarron's yeah. uh-huh. now wife. It was right on the heels of when like Brent Musburger oogled over her and, and tell, so they you know they knew they had a show where they could put her in a bathing suit. Mm-hmm. They had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on there, um, and then Louis Anderson. And I'm like, really? And Louis jumped in, and then like I think they had to like call the paramedics. It was not a good situation. <laughs> uh, Ray is- Combs, Ray Combs. Hold on, Richard Dawson, Louis Anderson, the the guy that played. What's the guy's name that played? Um, Jay Peterman. Oh, uh, I know who you're talking about, but yeah, I don't know. He was also a host on John O'Hurley. That's, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was a host. Uh, and then now Steve oh, Harvey's it good. Was, uh, it was uh, what's our, his name our, from Tool Time. I was gonna say, are we gonna skip over my choice for best family Richard host, Richard Karn? Or Richard, Ooh. Richard. Maybe it's because I myself portray 40 year old single dad energy, but I, for one, am a big Richard Karn fan. Karn or kind? Wait a minute. You portray 40 year old single dad energy. How old are you? You're like 24. 20, 28. Oh, that's Karn. But I like to wear Hawaiian shirts. I make cheesy dad jokes. 
uh, women mean, listen, often are repulsed by the side of me. You listen to like, what's that? Women what? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Uh, I said women are often repulsed by the side of me. Okay. Richard Karn, I feel like, was just like kind of, he was the, he, he and Louie and John O'Hurley were like, family food was like daytime, like middays, you know. Right. Like, kind of like off in the distance. To, to me, that was like. That was in the. It like, was like Brett Favre as a jet. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, I remember that season, but, I, you know, I, I, it was a transitional deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was, yeah, there was like syndication. You're like, ah, oh, it's on the game show network or whatever. What's this? Steve Harvey, I feel like, has brought Family Feud to the other, another stratosphere with Listen, the prime time, the celebrities. You got him with all the you, NBA and NFL players and all that stuff. Now, Steve okay. Harvey's fantastic. I'll give you a hint. So back to my Ryan Seacrest point. A guy that didn't have that characteristic, that quality that comes off as smarmy, Dick Clark. I'm going older school here, but like mm-hmm. when he did hundred thousand dollar pyramid, see Strahan now does hundred thousand dollar pyramid, and I'm not a fan of of Strahan either. I mean he's okay, but like I don't know. There's something about Michael Strahan; he's a little bit cheesy. Dick Clark though, like hundred thousand dollar pyramid, would always have the right answer. It's like yeah, okay, dude, like we get it. You're super smart. Trebek got labeled as that in in mockery, but Dick Clark was really that way. And then I saw. I think it was – I can't remember what movie I saw with, and Dick Clark uh, appeared to be, like, extremely smug. I think it was Bowling for Columbine. So is your is your vote for Family Feud best host Richard Dawson? It's Richard Dawson, undoubtedly. There's no, Richard Dawson – that's like saying – I mean, honestly, it, it's like saying who's the, who's the greatest Chicago Bull? Michael Jordan. But that's you're comparing Richard Dawson to Michael Jordan. Richard Dawson is the face of Family Feud. He's Steve, the face of the original. Listen, but I, th- I don't think Family Feud was. Steve nearly- Harvey is fabulous. Don't get me wrong. Steve Harvey's great. He's funny on it. He's he's he has the same characteristic I'm talking about. People that go on there are not mesmerized by Steve Harvey, and that's a very positive trait. It's a it's a major kudos to him, and he's a, he's a funny guy, and he's down to earth. I mean, there there's nothing about Steve Harvey you don't love. When Steve Harvey did the Miss Universe or Miss America or what I think it was Miss Universe, and he read the wrong card, and then he was able to make fun of it. You know, there there was a level of humility to that and normalcy that I think people found very refreshing. But I I will die on this hill. On this crown hill. On this crown hill. That's correct. I was just there yesterday. Uh, Richard Dawson is undoubtedly the best Family Feud host of all time. Mm, undoubtedly. I'm, I'm not even putting out like I'm, I'm going to put out a Twitter poll on this, and I'm not even going to list anybody except for Steve Harvey and Richard Dawson, so we can get to the bottom of this. There's not even a point of adding a third or fourth option. It's one or the other. Well recency bias it, it, there are a lot of people and i get it i mean richard dawson you're you're going in the way back i get it i mean i'm i'm probably the youngest of people that remember watching richard dawson but richard dawson was the steve harvey is a multimedia personality he's a comedian he hosted television talk show he's a five tool player correct richard dawson was i mean he was an actor right but richard dawson after being an actor the second part of his career, which almost became the pinnacle part of his career, was he was a game show guy. He was on, you know, he was on all the different like like password. Not oh, pass- there was like three channels back then, though. That's yeah, why. But he, he was always on it. Everybody hey, Richard, back come and to everybody the show. back okay. then was smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. He's smoking cigarettes. He's kissing women. He's got beautiful blue eyes, and, and and he's just he's just cool. 
Richard Dawson was like the Frank Sinatra of game shows. He just, like, literally, he'd get a paper cut and cool would ooze out. He was just cool. But I'm telling you, like, indisputably, Richard Dawson is the face of Family Feud. Okay. We'll see. We'll see what the Twitter poll says, which we know is all-knowing. Well, okay, are we going to – let me ask you this. On the tw- – how are we – first off, how are we wording the poll? I said the best Family Feud host of all time is – and I said Richard Dawson or Steve Harvey. Us Richard Karn fans are in protest right well, now. Well, you sit over there with your other three fa- friends. Okay, Gene Wood did it. Richard Karn. Oh, wait, no, Gene Wood was the studio announcer. Um Richard Dawson, I'm trying to see how long Richard Dawson did it. Ray Combs, by the way, who was a host on Family Feud, I'm not kidding you. He lived in, yeah, he was a furniture salesman in Indianapolis when he moved to L.A. to become, um, he was doing stand-up comedy but lived in Indianapolis and was selling furniture here when he moved out to Los Angeles to do his comedy and then ultimately ended up as a host on Family Feud. And he passed away in 1996. He was 40 years old when he passed away. Wow. This is... So have you gotten any results yet on your poll? Uh, Let's see. It's probably very few so far. I'll retweet it out. There's one vote for... I mean, I literally just posted. Somebody said, how about Regis on Millionaire? Regis was cool, but and pe- same Millionaire, thing. Like, I think people liked Re- – Regis had the same characteristic, right? Like people were just like, ah, it's Regis. Yeah, but I feel like Millionaire was kind of like a, a flash in the pan. To- well, totally. I Once mean, the, yeah, Millionaire realized that the ratings were tanking, and so they completely – I will go to my grave with this also. Uh, the guy that finally won Millionaire and won the million bucks that called his dad and goes, Dad, I'm about to win a million dollars, da, da, da. That was – they were like, listen, people are getting fatigued by the fact that no one is winning on this. we got to have somebody win. And they absolutely greased it for that guy. I mean, what president appeared on Laugh-In? That was the million-dollar question. When the $500,000 questions were like, what molecular structure? You know what I mean? Come on. Well, I didn't think we would get to millionaire tinfoil hat segment, but that's what we've gotten to. Uh, right now, at, uh, it's uh, like it just posted, 18 votes, 50-50. For Richard Dawson and Steve Harvey. Hmm. I'm telling you, Richard Dawson, Steve Harvey might be the most popular right now because he's doing it. But even Steve Harvey knows that's Richard Dawson's position. Steve Harvey's like, what do you do for a living? I'm the new Richard Dawson. That's what he says. We'll see. We'll see what the poll says. I don't know. Time now for a morning check down, by the way. Take a brief break from the game show debate. By the way, when you read those results, huge missed opportunity that you did not say survey says. Survey says. Oh, Steve Harvey. It's close. It's close right now. It's just gotten off and running. We got 24 hours on this poll, folks. Vote accordingly. All right. Yesterday in baseball, Philadelphia Phillies topped my Cubs 5-1. to one. The Cincinnati Reds get back in the winning slot with a 3-1 win over Jake's Baltimore Orioles. Take that. Cardinals get a win over the Astros, 4-2. White Sox fall the Angels. Shohei Otani put on a show. Ten strikeouts, two solo home runs. They beat the White Sox, 4-2. Guardians over the Royals, 2-1. 
Kevin's Athletics topped the Yankees 2-1. And let's see what else. My Diamondbacks topped the Rays 8-4. Good for me. And the Pittsburgh Pirates over the San Diego Padres 9-4. Indianapolis Indians idle yesterday. They take on the Louisville Bats tonight at 635 in Kentucky. By the way, Richard Dawson, um, my Twitter account indicates Richard Dawson is the answer. Well, that somebody that, mentioned that's that skews to the somebody mentioned Chuck Woolery. Now you want to talk about smarmy? Oh yeah, back in two and two though, right? Uh, did you mention that the Colts training camp schedule has? No, been No, I was going to leave that to you. Colts training camp schedule has been announced. They they announced it yesterday. Things beginning in Grand Park on Wednesday, July twenty sixth, from nine until noon. Colts City will be open, and then the practice that is open to the public from ten a.m until 11 o'clock in the morning. Same schedule applies for Friday, July the 28th. Most notably, night practices, Saturday, July 29th, from 6 until 7.30. Uh, That's back together weekend there. Uh, Then other night practices, Saturday, August 5th, from 6 until 7.30. There's no theme for that practice. The others have all themes. Like Wednesday, August 16th, 6 until 8 o'clock night practice. That is a joint practice with the Chicago Bears, Thursday, August 17th, also a night practice, joint practice slash Thirsty Thursday. Other theme nights, by the way, Give Back Sunday is Sunday, August 6th. Fan Appreciation, Thursday, August 10th. Salute to Service, that's on Tuesday, August 1st, and Kids Day, Friday, July 28th. Uh, The pop quiz is next. Your chance at a Jiffy Lube oil change. 239-1070 is the telephone number. First question is a hard one, and that is, who is the greatest family feud host of all time? Correct answer is Richard Dawson. By the mm-hmm. way, if you'd like to call in, then you are already one for one. But you got to go five for five to win an oil change. We will do it next. 239-1070 is the telephone number here on Kevin and Corey, 93.5-1075, The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Jake trying to quell votes for Richard yeah, I, Dawson I, I, in the studio here. here. Here's a better way of saying it. Maybe I should have been more clear here. Of the people who have hosted Family Feud, which one is most associated as the host of Family Feud? It is indisputably Richard Dawson. Well, yeah, you're, you're going to say the first toast that ever did it is is the one that. I don't think he was the first, though, was he? Yeah, he was. Was he? Mm-hmm. That's I, like saying, uh, you know. But I'm telling you, like, he was also great. I mean, he was great at it. He was the guy. But that's like saying who's the mo- who's the host of Millionaire, Regis Philbin or Meredith Vieira. You would say Regis Philbin, ten out of ten times. No one remembers that. The Meredith Vieira days were like mid mid. Richard days Dawson the also. How long has Steve Harvey done it? I mean, he's uh, been well over for, a decade by now. Yeah, he's been doing it for a while. Yeah, how long did Richard Dawson do it? Years. I mean, Richard Dawson match game was what he was most no, most known for before Family Feud, and then boom. Steve Harvey well, has done Family Feud after, for twenty three years. I'm sorry, for what? thirteen years. 13. 20, okay, I was going to say 23. I did math very poorly in my head for a second. How long did Richard Dawson do it? Give me a second. <laughs> Apparently, or 23. <laughs> 23 years. Uh, let's see here. He started in 75. He was the host up until it looks like 1980 is what it's saying here. No, that's 
incorrect. Because he was doing it. Matter of fact, most people probably didn't even know Family Feud until Se- 76 to 85, and then an extra year in, from 94 to 95. Okay, so 10? 10 in total, yes. I'm telling you. Now, a little bit different, too, because back then, well, I guess it's Family Feud still, it's still on every day, but it's in syndication, right? I mean, yeah, there's still like new it was episodes. A, but it was a nightly primetime show back then. I, I, you know, yeah, they, the nighttime's now like the celebrity versions and all right. that stuff. Um, two through nine, ten, seventy is the telephone number for the pop quiz. Give me a number one through six, Mark. Uh, two. Number two, who do we have, Sam? We're going with Dave. Dave, what's up? Hey, how you doing? All right, Dave, how old a fellow are you? I am 68. When you think of Family Feud, what host do you think of? Oh, undoubtedly Richard Dawson. See? Dem- demographic tells me that right there. <laughs> Dave, are you a retired gentleman? You're still a working guy. Well, I was working part-time so recently. Everything okay with that? Well, I, I drove a shuttle for a Northside dealership, and uh, I got uh, terminated for speeding. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> he giggles as he does that. Now, does that – let me ask you, Dave, does that – eliminate you from prospective employment elsewhere doing the same thing yeah i'm not quite sure was this a one-time offense or do you have a lead foot uh, well i, I kind of have a lead foot but <laughs> and, uh-huh. and, and i i did it with a customer in the car which was a no-no and, and I, I knew you know I, I mean i fessed up to it i told him i made a, a mistake were they cool about it Actually, you know, I was there for eight years and never had any kind of problems and anything, really. I, I did have one other speeding ticket, but, um, you know, I don't know. It was now, kind of a bad deal. Now, what was your – and I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, Dave. Uh, what was your primary career, like, in terms of before retirement age or, you know, before doing things like that? I sold commercial hardware and uh, um, doors and frames and high-end decorative hardware and then – uh, an import lock company for um, Central Indiana Hardware. That's cool. And, and Dave, are you a native to Central Indiana? Oh, yeah. Uh, what high school did you attend? I actually went to New Pal. New Pal High School. Okay. Boy, what was your graduating class at New Pal High School? And now let me guess, Dave, because I'm, you know, I'm a bit of a an aficionado in these areas. I, I take pride in it. I'm going to guess that you were the class of 72 or 73, but I'll go 73. 73, correct. Okay. So the, the class of 73 in New Pal, I'm going to guess your graduating class was 108 kids. Boy, I, you, you're almost right on the number. I, I want to say it was around 108, 110, something like that. <laughs> How about them apples? What was your class rank, Dave? Uh, not very good. 61. <laughs> you were 61 out of 108, right? Um, possibly. Okay, well. All right, here we go. Now, I was class ranked 482 was my class rank, by the way. I'm very proud of that fact. 1284 in my graduating class. Though. All right, uh, here we go. Question number one for you, Dave. You ready? Yes. In 2007, Indiana Mr. Basketball selected number one overall in the NBA draft on this date 16 years ago was who? An Indiana high school basketball player. He was the number one selection in the 2007 NBA draft. Kevin Pritchard, now with the Pacers, drafted this player to the Portland Trailblazers. Oh my God! He had a teammate. Uh, he had a teammate named Mike Conley. They played together at Lawrence North. 
Uh, Greg Oden. Okay. All right, Dave. Atlanta's Ronald Acuna Jr. drove in his 50th run of the season in last night's win over the Twins. He's just the second player to drive in 50 runs and steal 35 bases before July 1st since an RBI became an official stat in 1920. Who did it first? Was it Joe Morgan, Jose Canseco, Ricky Henderson, or Cesar Cesar Cedeno? Cesar Cedeno. I would love some chicken wings, by the way. Dave? Cesar Cedeno. Okay. All righty. Uh, Shohei Itani homered twice and picked up the win as the starting pitcher in the Angels win over the White Sox last night, Dave. He is just the sixth pitcher with 10 strikeouts and two home runs in a game since the pitcher's mound was moved in 1893. Who was the last pitcher to do that? Milt Pappas, Madison Bumgarner, Zach Gronke, or Rick Wise? About Wise. Okay. All right, Dave. Rounding it out. Let's see. Uh, no, not rounding it out. On this, what did you ask? The, which one did you just ask? Did you ask three? Or, okay, well, you pay attention. Turn, well, you turned me. Show's not over till ten. <laughs> I, turned, I looked at it. I looked away for a second. I got completely turned around. On this day in 1987, Don Baylor of the Red Sox set a modern major league record by being hit by a pitch for the 244th time in his career. Ouch! He would finish his career with 267 hit by pitches. Who broke Baylor's record? Finishing his career with 285, Jason Kendall, Anthony Rizzo, Craig, Craig Biggio, or Chase Utley? Biggio. Nice. Good one. All right, Dave, rounding you out here. Edmonton's Connor McDavid wins the Hart Trophy. He is the MVP of the NHL. That is the third time in the last eight years he has taken home that hardware. He's the fifth player to win the MVP three times over his first eight NHL season. Wayne Gretzky won the award in each of his first eight seasons, which is incredible. Uh, which of the following players did not win the Hart Trophy as the National Hockey League Most Valuable Player three times in their first eight seasons? So three of these guys accomplished this rare feat. One guy did not. Alex Ovechkin. Was it Mario Lemieux, Bobby Clark, or Bobby Orr? Which did not accomplish that feat? Bobby Clark. Also a pretty good guess, actually. All right, Dave. Bobby Clark sounds like the lead singer of a bebop band, doesn't it? Oh, they're opening for the doesn't Beach it, Boys Dave? this summer. Like the Bobby Clark Five. Uh, okay, here we go. Bobby Clark and the Bips coming at you. <laughs> uh, Greg Oden was indeed correct for question number one. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. drove in his 50th run. He's the second player to drive in th- 50 runs and steal 35 bases before July 1st since 1920. Who did it first? He said Cesar Cedeno, and it was actually Joe Morgan in 1975. The chicken wing, man. Zach Gronke was the correct answer Grinky. for question number three. What did I say? Gronke? Oh, like sorry. he's Rob Gronkowski's nephew? Zach Gronke, that's right. Um, who was the other? Barry Zito was in the – weren't they teammates? I love Barry Zito. Yeah. Where Barry Zito was on the A's, most notably, and the Giants. Yeah, but where, where was – Granky, Granky was, was on the, I mean, Royals. Obviously the Royals, Royals, but wasn't then, he with the A's also at some point? I don't think uh, anyway, Craig Biggio and Mario Lemieux were the other two answers. Um, I will call Zach Granky Zach Gronky for my entire life, by the way. Well, it's like a, just like Dustin Dopirac? Do I can't get that right. I know is you it, can't. Is it, it's Dustin Dopirac, right? I mean, I literally just said it. Dopirac. Unbelievable. He's without peer in terms of yeah, the Yeah, think of it like that way. Names. There you go. I'm just saying. I'm still thrown <laughs> off by your Richard Dawson take. 
I, I said not only is Steve Harvey the best Family Feud host, he's the best game show host of all. Well, time. that's not. Now that is that is, is that not slander? Correct. Is that libel? Am I? Gonna I go mean, to here's a thing. Law court. It, it's meant as a compliment to Steve Harvey. Oh, I, I get more belly laughs from Steve Harvey no, doing I, stuff. I get it, but but hear me out. It's meant as a compliment to Steve Harvey. Mm-hmm. But the difference between Steve Harvey, if you asked a hundred people on the street, tell me what you know, like. Word association, Steve Harvey. Some would say like pageant host. Some would say comedian. Some would say talk show host. Some would say you know author. Many would say game show host. But but like you say, Richard Dawson, Gene Rayburn, Bob Barker. Uh, you, instantly, people know who you're talking about that, or, or, or what they're you know, they're like game show hosts. That's exactly what they think of as the game show first and foremost. Bob Eubanks. I mean. Some of those, though, I feel like you have to know, like the demographic. If you're asking like a 25 year old, hey, Richard Dawson, they'll say, who? And but part of that, though, Mark, my point is this. Again, it's at no fault of Steve Harvey, and it's not necessarily as a credit to Richard Dawson or Gene Rayburn, but those guys were doing it when game shows were, that was a massive thing. So it's kind of like saying, you know, it's. Shohei Atani is probably a better pitcher than Oral Hershiser. But Hershiser is better known as a pitcher in the United States because he was doing it during a time when a higher percentage of people were right. watching baseball. Yes, that's correct. So that, that that's my point. Like Richard Dawson I think is is more synonymous with Family Feud than is Steve Harvey. We'll have to see. Indianapolis by the way, second place today in worst air qualities Ooh, in the world. Can I can I guess when we come we made back it, Indy. Can I guess who's leading us when we come back? Sure. All right. Go right ahead. Is this in the world, you said? In the world. Shanghai. Okay. uh, We'll get that answer when we come back. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Uh, we are not, by any stretch of the imagination, making light of the fact that it is light out in Indianapolis, but not to the level it should be because of um, it, it, it. There's a level of fascinating to it, but the the smoke cover from the wildfires in Canada, which it does also make you think. Good Lord! Like if it's this bad here just that gives perspective as to how much wildfire must be burning which is obviously awful um but the air quality in terms of the the thickness of the smoke here has given indianapolis a score if you will that is in the very unhealthy range so you know the children's museum one of those that has canceled their outdoor kids activities today so certainly be mindful of it if you're going to be out and um, I would say physical activity outside, probably not the best of ideas. Mark Dykton, you had mentioned that right now in the world, the air quality score for Indianapolis is the second worst. Second highest. Yeah. Se- well, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. second highest. Yeah. So the second worst, second highest, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so I'm going to guess the city that has the worst, but I'm going to ask a few hint questions. Sure. The first would be, if I was to travel to this city, would I need a passport? Yes. Uh, the second would be, could I drive to this city? No. And the third would be, 
would you guess that this city is frequently on said list? Uh, I would not say that. I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't guess from what's going on in Canada right now that they would be on the list. So no. So do you, I actually don't know why there is. So it would not so be high. industrial related. Not that I can think okay, of. Then I, completely... Okay, then I am going to ask one other question, and then I'll guess. Sure. If I had to, if if I told you I was moving to this country for two years, uh-huh. would, would you say like that's pretty cool, or would you be like why in the world are you moving there? I would say that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty interesting. I'd say wear wear a lot of sunscreen. Melbourne, Australia. Incorrect. Am I in the right area of the world? No. Uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina. No. Right region of the world? No. All right, one last guess here. I will go with um, Abu Dhabi. That is pretty close. Dubai has a current worst air quality index of 359. Wow. Indianapolis is 262. That's according to it's called according to Wish Wish TV. Would that be because of industry? I mean, they're building a ton of stuff around there. I know. I have no idea. Three fifty nine seems like that's almost like unbreathable. You would think three fifty nine. I mean, I don't know what the highest. I always get this confused. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Dubai is a city within the United Arab Emirates. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. And then, pardon my naivete here, uh, Abu Dhabi is, is that also a city? Or is Abu Dhabi, I'm pardon my my ignorance. I I know it's it's the capital and second most populous city in the United Arab Emirates. So Abu Dhabi is? After Dubai, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Uh, yeah, Scotty points out, as several people did, uh, how much of the smoke in the air is from the Grateful Dead concert. Boy, that's a um, contact high that would be pretty fierce, I'd think. Dead and Company, of course, what it's now known. Uh, do you remember the year that, Mark, you would remember it, Scotty might, the year that they had the riots at the Grateful Dead show? Riots is probably an extreme word, but they, they crashed the back fence, fans did, in order to get in. So they canceled, I believe, the the second or third night of it. This would have been 96, maybe? 95? Uh, that was I was driving up to Fort Wayne. It was around Fourth of July weekend, I think. I had a buddy that was selling fireworks in Fort Wayne, like as a summer job, and I drove up to go hang out in Fort Wayne for the night. And as I was driving up I sixty nine, just north of where Ruoff is, back then Deer Creek, uh, there was some dude just hitchhiking with a huge, like he had a. Um, what are, what are those big wooden sticks that you like a, a it's like an instrument. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a walking stick, but you also like it's like a horn like a trombone? No, wood. It's like a <laughs> bamboo wood, huh? A didgeridoo. Is that what it's called? I mean, it's a big you wood tube that you blow Australian. into. Correct. Didgeridoo. That's what it's called? Yes. I, I it was called I'm like not a, making I up a Dr. Like Seuss a, word I thought right it was now. called like a bugle. Oh, well, what? a bugle horn? No, nah, but it was a, a big wooden deal. Yeah, I guess you're right. What is it in 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 fast times? Jeff Spicoli throws it at his little brother. It's like, Mom, Jeff threw his. I thought it was Boogle at me. Anyway, regardless, this guy was walking with one of those, and I said, "Hey, man, where are you going?" He's like, "Man, I'm going north, dude. I was supposed to go to the Dead Show. Now they're playing like in Lansing, and I'm trying to go to that. I go, hey, I'll give you a ride to Fort Wayne." So the guy got in my car 
And he started playing that thing in the passenger seat. Like, and I'm like, okay. So as we're driving up, I said, hey, I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to see where James Dean, his resting place. Yeah, that's it. A digger, how do you say that? Didgeridoo. Didgeridoo, okay. Um, I said, I've always wanted to see James Dean's resting place in Fairmount, but I've never been there. Do you want to go? And he's like, all right, cool. So I have this this deadhead hippie, like 25-year-old kid, I think he's from California or something, with his diggery-doo or whatever the thing that's called. And, and, and we're driving, and we get to the cemetery in Fairmount, and I'm like, okay, well, I don't know exactly where James Dean's grave is. And at that point, they hadn't put the signs up yet to tell you how to get there. So we're both just aimlessly walking, and all of a sudden, I hear this noise. And I thought, what is what in the world am I hearing? Well, he had found James Dean's grave and was trying to let me know, but instead of yelling to me, he was playing his what do you call it again? Didgeridoo. A didgeridoo. His didgeridoo. Yeah, it's like a foghorn. I'm like, oh, okay. So, so there you go. So do you want to play another guessing game? Yeah. Twenty six so- years ago today, something pretty uh, historic happened in sports. This is not a this is not a sad story. This is not death related. Uh, but something pretty pretty historic happened 26 years ago today. So we're talking 1997, today. right? Mm-hmm. So June of 1997. Yep. Um, is the the key figure in this still living? Yes. Both are. So it's two individuals. Mm-hmm. My first guess would be that Mike Tyson bit Evander Holyfield's ear. Correct. Is that it? That is it. Wow. Okay. I was at Aaron Perlman's house. Aaron Perlman had a. Aaron Perlman got a. Uh, he was living in like an apartment or, or condo, whatever you want to call it, uh, down, just kind of off of Lockerbie, and and that was just when I mean we were just at the age when people were starting to move downtown and that kind of thing, but he had a super cool place, and I remember we we're like downtown. I mean, that shows you how long ago it was. Downtown. Nobody lives downtown. But Perlman did. It was a nice place. We went down there and watched it. And, and I'll, I mean, do you remember watching it? It was like, what in the world just happened? Yeah, I was like 12 years old or something. I think my uncle ordered it, and we were watching it. I'm like, wait, why, what happened? Like, his well, I remember, Holyfield just like backs away and starts grabbing at his ear Well, and the stuff second and time, so weird. he did it twice, right? Yeah. So, so the first time he did it, you see Holyfield, you know, back away and you're like what happened and then they explained what took place and then the second time he he backed up and he started jumping up and down like I think in a combination of pain and frustration he started jumping up and down in anger probably and that's and that's when they called it and and, I mean that was I wouldn't even say that obviously that was beyond the beginning of the end for Tyson but that was really kind of cemented it as and, and I don't know that people can grasp um, prior to Buster Douglas, it would be impossible to explain to someone who was not around then the aura of invincibility around Mike Tyson. I, the, the the concept of Mike Tyson being beaten was impossible. You, you watched his fights strictly to see how quickly he was going to knock guys out. I mean, when he knocked out Spinks in 90 seconds, it's like, holy cow. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, and then when he got beat by Mike or by Buster Douglas in the same night as the slam dunk contest, by the way, it was one, I mean, that probably still to this day as a half century of walking this planet was the most shocking sports thing that I can recall. All I remember is Chris Jordan had a party. His parents showed up uh, unannounced early. We thought they were out of town. 
people are like jumping out of windows and running out of the, the, the house thinking the cops had shown up and Jordan's parents are pulling up to the house in complete like shock of these hundreds of kids pouring out of their house and his dad is infuriated and Jordan tries to distract his dad and goes, dad, Mike Tyson got beat and his dad is livid and literally stops and turns around and goes, wait, what did you just say? <laughs> and I was standing right there and we're like, oh my God, his dad's like, he, he really got beat? I mean, never mind the like hundreds of kids jumping out the window in the kitchen of my house. Did you just tell me that Mike Tyson got beat? Uh, a lot of fun today. So much so we'll do it again tomorrow. Does that sound good to you, Mark? Yeah, let's do it. All right, everybody stay safe out there. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.